0: Welcome to Gamers on the Go, a podcast dedicated solely to those games that you can take with you. I am your host, Chase Kennecke. Today's show is a special show because it's our Game of the Year show, and that's exciting. <laughs> and to share in this excitement, I've brought in two of the most prolific Gamers on the Go uh, guest hosts, and you would know them by the names Matt Jaguerre and Pierce Corshane. Hello, gentlemen. Hello. What up? It's good to have you both back on. i i like I like talking to you boys, uh, specifically about video games. We the like talking to you, Chase. i I don't know if that's entirely true, but I will accept it at face value <laughs> and we'll just continue moving no. on.
1: <laughs> I'm happy to be back. Especially such an important episode, which I am going to contribute very little to, but I'm going to be vocal and ask a lot of questions.
0: Good. See, that's the sad, that's the hard, sad truth about a handheld video games podcast Mm -hmm. is that...
2: And I'm ready for a nice five-hour marathon of podcasting.
0: All right, yeah, that's my boy. (laughs) Uh, Even though I know that Matt has even less on his list than Pierce does, so... Very.
1: We are in a... Transition period in handheld gaming, which I think we'll talk about a lot today. So, I think we could cut ourselves some slack for not having many games on our lists.
0: I mean, you guys speak for yourselves because I've, I've, I did my due diligence and I have 10. In fact, I have more than 10. But,
1: uh, let me live in my reality, Chase. (laughs) I, I
0: understand understand that not everyone hosts a handheld video games podcast and therefore may not be as passionate (laughs) about the, uh, the medium as I am. So, I, I understand. Uh, but I got two two solid guests here that at least have discussed handheld games in the past uh, so we're gonna we're gonna talk about some handheld games that came out this year uh we're not gonna do we're not gonna have like a final this is game of gamers on the goes game of the year uh because one it it's whatever I say is my number one uh, <laughs> i i think I think what Thomas. happened I, <laughs> Well, I think what happened was a few years ago, uh, I had Fire Emblem Awakening as my number one, and the two people I I had on, I know Matt was one of them, I I don't think Matt had played that game yet, so it wasn't on his list, and then I think Zach Fleeman might have been the other one, I don't think he played it either, so the way it ended up being weighted was that uh, Fire Emblem Awakening was not the best game of the year, according to the average of our three... uh, of our three lists, and I said no, I'm not. I'm not accepting that as an answer. Uh, I'm, I'm
2: trying to remember because I, I'm pretty sure I did play that when it came out, and that was my game of the year. I remember so it, it had to been something else. I
0: remember you playing that, like that, the next packs east. Like,
2: uh, at the next? No, no. Uh, I mean, I was still playing it. <laughs> okay. Hmm. I still continue to play it to this day, right. uh, but. Not, yeah, that was that was definitely my game of the year because I got a 3ds right before the game came out. played the demo and bought the game physical when it finally came out. Like you know, you could buy it in retail again. Come come like May, I believe something yeah. like that. Okay, well, I'm, so it would have been on my top of the year, definitely.
0: I, I'm glad my memory's faulty then, because that's because that game it deserves it. anyway. We'll have, to go,
2: we'll have to go back to the records. Uh, we, we will dive through that that five hour uh, episode. Oh, absolutely. Are, uh, the trilogy. God,
0: man. we Yeah, we had some long episodes. <laughs> We're fun. only going to do one fun. show. We're only doing one show this time. Um, and and I think uh, we'll have a, I'm not going to say a short show, but at least hopefully an efficient show. And, and yeah. the first rule of efficient shows is moving out of the introductions uh, faster than we have right now. So <laughs> let's move on. <laughs> <laughs> I got my coffee. I'm ready. Right, now. Let's do it. Before we get to our actual lists, uh, I think this is a good time to kind of talk about a little state of the union for handheld games because we have, as Pierce mentioned, there's there's been a transition period here, and we have some some big changes happening. And I think the first one that we should mention uh, is is the Vita, not the Switch, but the Vita. Um, did you guys touch your Vita at all this year?
2: I have no idea what that console or handheld is. Yeah, what
1: is, what is it?
0: Well, I know Pierce has one because I purchased him <laughs> one.
1: I have one, and, and I know then you I lost it this the memory year. card. Yeah. Oh I no! It. I haven't you, played it
2: since. You picked it I up this year. No. no. You I mean, it up that's that. like just like pretty much losing your Vita. Like the the reason I still haven't picked yeah, one up exactly. is those stupid ass memory cards are too much. Yeah. Like they, still, They're they still they're are. way too much for what they are, and it's just it's such a buzzkill when it's like, oh, maybe I'll pick up a Vita and get some of these cool games, and nah, nah, I I don't want to keep swapping everything on a little 16-gig memory card. I, I want to get a 32. Oh, wait, that's that's half the price of the console still? Never mind.
0: Yeah, I, I know I got mine on a sale, um, and even then it was still pretty expensive, but I, I can't begrudge anybody who has Vita concerns like that. Yeah. Um, But yeah, I barely played mine at all this year, and I I can't think of really anything new that I played on there. I I know some games that are on my, or at least one game that's on my list came to the Vita, but that is not how I played it. Um, Yeah, I I guess people have been saying it for years, but this is the first year where I might admit Vita might be dead, and that's so sad. Uh,
1: You got Undertale. Our little circle did, yeah, that's true. Yeah. Our little circle seemed to hang on to it longer than just about anywhere else, to be fair. so Oh, absolutely, yeah, yeah. This, this is just the inevitable. <laughs> totally. And, I mean, and it, I it is
2: a very nice handheld and some very impressive tech. It just unfortunately never caught on as big as Sony had hoped it would. Yeah, it, it's, but,
0: that's certainly the case. And what also has happened is that I think the number one reason to have a Vita has been taken away because now we have a new console called the Switch that is kind of doing what the Vita did only better in a lot of ways.
1: Yeah. Uh, so so, yeah. This has to be this has to be the death of all Sony handhelds, right? Or do you think they're gonna go into a Switch? model at some point in the future I, I, PSP can't see
0: fails, I can't see that happening I, I, I think they've been burned enough yeah. times at this point that they're done um, they've tried things like the Switch in a in a, obviously a less elegant way but you think about the, the PlayStation TV and how that was your way to play Vita games on your television and on the go and oh you could kind of sync it with cloud saves and like, technically technically it did what a Switch could do um,
3: kind of, <laughs>
0: yeah, I mean, I, I played, uh, MLB the show that way. I think it was 16, 15 or 16, uh, where I would play a little bit on my Vita and then I'd come home, I'd sync the cloud saves and then I could play it on, on my, uh, PlayStation TV. And that was fun for a while. And then, then I stopped doing that because it's, it was kind of a hassle, whereas the switch It's built to be super easy. You just take it out of the dock, and and you're ready to go. Um, So, yeah, we had the Switch come out this year. It's become hugely popular. Uh, It's gotten some amazing games this year. We are counting it for for Gamers on the Go. I I use that console more in handheld mode than I did uh, docked, uh, and just because it has both of those options for any of the games, I think it's, I think it totally counts as a portable system. So, uh, so that's going to be on the show and that's going to kind of unfairly, uh, make some, make some tough choices here. Like there's, uh, I think a game like Zelda is kind of unfair to compare to a game like, uh, I, I don't know, like a game that, that came to mobile or came to 3ds. Like that's, one is a huge experience that was definitely like that console AAA-worthy title, and the other one is this small little thing. And, uh, but you
2: can play it anywhere on the go, Chase. So true. It's true. What do you do?
0: I, I mean, I think, I think that this, is, this next year is the year where handheld games need to step up. This is mm. Nintendo showing that we have this uh, console that can play these incredible games, and now you guys need to get on board. And, and I don't think that means that everything needs to be a triple-A game. I, I think there are small games on the Switch that are awesome, and I don't want them to go away. And mm. and I think they can coexist in that way of here are some big titles and then here are also some smaller indie things. Uh, I hope that that's the case. I mean, I hope... Uh, the, yeah. the big one that I got was, um, was thinking about Zelda. Like, you think about Breath of the Wild as this huge thing... But there was another Zelda game that came out somewhat recently, uh, for the 3DS in fact, and I love A Link Between Worlds, and I would love to see Nintendo make a sequel to A Link Between Worlds, or at least another game in that style, uh, the top-down Zelda style, and and I think the Switch is a great place for a game like that as well, and I think Breath of the Wild and that kind of game can coexist. Well, that's my hope anyway.
2: Yeah, I hope so too. It's funny we brought up Fire Emblem Awakening early in the show, but like that always to me felt like it was like sort of a bridge between what Nintendo used to do for their console-based games, like Fire Emblem on GameCube, and Wii. It was pretty much the same thing, and they were able to put it onto a handheld and make uh, like they, they've done in the past with Fire Emblem uh, as a uh, series over here, but like they were able to give that production value of something that felt more like a uh, console game, and bring it to the handheld and make it work well. And now that we have the switch, and the next Fire Emblem game is going to be on there, the probably the next Animal Crossing game that's going to come out to the switch will be on there, obviously. Or you know, it's, it's pretty much we're kind of done with the 3DS at this point, and there's stuff coming out, but it's not going to be anything like big or huge, right? Uh, like a, like another Pokemon game, uh, obviously. So, or maybe who knows?
0: Yeah, I mean, at this point, this is. I wonder if this is the last year for big 3DS exclusive titles. Like we had, we had Metroid. We had um, Fire Emblem came out. Uh, like there were there were some games that came out after the Switch had had released that you're like, man, this is this game's cool, but like, man, would it be better if it was on the Switch? And and some games did both. Like uh, I know that Fire Emblem Warriors game that I, I think is bad. Um, was was on you know, Switch and 3DS, and and they've done that similarly with uh with Hyrule Legends or Hyrule Warriors, uh, yeah. But that was on Wii U and 3DS. But still, the the point is that they've they've kind of gone cross platform on some of these things, and I, yeah, I I don't know. I, I guess I could see more cross platform stuff, but I really kind of hope there aren't any more exclusive big titles for the 3ds anymore because i really like my switch and i want to play more things on it i find myself playing a game and going oh this is cool i wish it was on my switch instead
2: yeah and there's not really going to be any games that are going to take advantage of the 3d on the 3ds anymore because that has been like even nintendo has kind of scaled back from that oh. uh there's not going to be many games that are going to use the two screens of the 3ds going forward either it's kind of just a well you know, we've done this for the past what now over a decade. Oh, um, it was like 2004 when the uh, original DS launched. So it's like, well, now it's you know, it's, it's time to move on to something else. Yeah. And what better way than just to converge two you know platforms into one?
0: Definitely. And I mean, I think
1: so here's uh, my question. Go ahead. About the so about like the the DS, um, and as we saw over the years, it kind of Nintendo started making different versions of the ES with the, with the 2DS, with the 3DS, with the XL and all that kind of stuff. At what point are we going to see that model put on the Switch where we're going to get slightly different versions of the Switch and you're going to have a couple different options to play the Switch, but it's still going to be a Nintendo Switch? Or is that going to happen at all? I think they'll probably update, make
2: incremental updates as far as like the hardware going forward. Because if they're going to be sticking with this concept of having this, you know, portable home console that you can just dock, play on your TV, take away with you, they're going to. It's probably going to be the same way they did dealt with the Wii to Wii U, where oh, we're just going to keep in the same kind of this sort of yeah. ecosystem of Switch hardware and Switch accessories that are going to work together. And I, I can't imagine they're going to update the screen size for the Switch. I mean, it just seems like a good size for like be something yeah. being something being. You know, portable, you know, might be a little too bulky for some people. Maybe they'll make a smaller one, but, like, if they make a larger one, maybe. Like, have, Like, I don't know, like, do you make a bigger dock then so it doesn't, like, fall over uh, or something like that? I don't know. It's. I, I really think they're just going to do, like, just incremental hardware updates so they can at least put some, you know, games that would be on the PlayStation 4 and Xbox One now down the line and run a lot smoother. Like, they're doing that now, but it's at, like, a scalable rate like Doom. Is a way you know a game that game engine that is easily downscaled to run at like lower specs. Uh, I'm interested to see how well Wolfenstein 2 will run on the Switch and what other games will come out. Like, are we going to see Shadow of War come out on the Switch? Uh, is that a possibility or something like that? So, uh, but yeah, I think down the line, incremental hardware updates keeping the same kind of uh, like outside hardware, like the the design of it will stay the same. Yeah, i've I've heard
0: I've heard people throw around the idea that Nintendo could make like a, a version of the Switch that is only docked or a, a version of the Switch that is only portable, and and I I don't think either of those are going to. That happen. doesn't make sense. No, it really doesn't. Like this is this is a console that is being sold on the the gimmick of you can do it either way, and I think uh, there was a chart that was shown um, a while ago. I guess Nintendo did some kind of poll. Or at least like pulled some internal data of how how much time people were spending, like what percentage of players' time were they spending with the the console docked versus portable? And I think it was it was like ten percent on either side. I'm not going to get these numbers right exactly, yeah, yeah, sure, yeah, but there was yeah, like ten percent on either what, side of like oh, there's like ten percent people who only play docked, and ten percent of people who only play handheld, and there's eighty percent that play like, pretty close to 50% either way. So, like, they, they've they definitely found this market of, of people on, the people who want to do both, and, and they need to keep that console going. All right, well, let's move on to the, uh, let's move on to notable games that didn't make our lists here. I know you guys don't have giant full lists like I do, but um, I'm sure there are games that you played this year that, uh, maybe you didn't determine were important enough to to go on your list, or you didn't play enough of them, or or you didn't like them enough. But are, are there any other games that you think deserve at least mention this year? And I I can start if you guys just want to start off with an example.
2: Oh, you can you can take this one, Chase.
0: Uh, cool. I think this is the perfect place to talk about Fire Emblem Heroes, uh, which is <laughs> a, a a bad. Mm, there's something there, there's something special about this game, and it is it is just absolutely ruined by by greed and by microtransactions and it, it was it got me. It got me a lot. I, I spent a good amount of money on this game and had a lot of fun while I was doing it. And then kind of the the bottom falls out and you realize like, oh wow, I spent a lot of money on basically nothing here and uh, and now I just feel bad about myself. <laughs> So, um, <laughs> but man, Fire Emblem Heroes is—I'm so, I'm so good. sorry, Chase. It's it's one of the best Fire Emblem games for a variety of reasons. Like it, it, just the the simplicity of of being put on a phone. I think they did smart some smart choices to make Fire Emblem work on a phone. It's not it's much more protracted movement. You're you're only moving one one to two spaces away uh, most times. It's the, the maps are much simplified. You're you're able to get through a match in minutes, which is something you would never be able to do in a, a more traditional Fire Emblem game. I I like the way they treat their online, where it's it's not totally head-to-head, because that would take forever, but it's it's done the computer is taking someone else's team and they're manning it. So you still have the tendencies of what the computer does. Uh, which which allows you to play in a more strategic fashion and, and win more often than not. Uh, but I just think there, there's some really good competition stuff in there. I think there's some really amazing art that was put into that game. The, the way that they've combined all of these Fire Emblem universes and brought in all of these artists and voice actors, they've done a really great job representing most of the cast of Fire Emblem games past. And... and And there's just something about being able to make a team of your favorite heroes that that is really fun. I I liked that game a lot. And then you just there's just too many places where that game requires you to spend almost requires you to spend money. You don't have to spend money, but if you want to stay competitive, if you want to have a chance at some of these heroes that won't come back then you gotta you gotta throw some cash in here and that that's the part that just really sucks
2: mm-hmm. yeah, a... i played for like about uh, like a couple of hours when it first came out It was like this is nice it's like fire emblem light uh just very sh- you know short little bursts of oh you know win a quick battle get some orbs unlock some characters and then you hit that ceiling and you're like well i you know I have it, it, maybe it was poor timing because another Fire Emblem game came out earlier this year, yeah. and I spent more time on that than Fire Emblem Heroes, and it just it never really grabbed me. It's like, oh, but you can get your favorite characters. I'm like, yeah, so I can play the original Fire Emblem games that I have a ton of <laughs> that I still have not fully beaten or completed. So, I, I think I, I dodged that just out of like I got other things to do.
1: Yeah, I I get that. I don't, Oh. I know this is irrational, but when it comes to the microtransactions, it it hurts just a little bit more when it comes from Nintendo. Because it's like, ah, you guys too? It does. I know that that's what they have to do in order to get, keep these games afloat on mobile platforms, but I don't know why. Would you boxes pierce? I mean, that's yes, what these are. I would. <laughs> you bad. know what? we can have the loot box conversation because I don't mind loot boxes as much as everyone
0: else does. I mean, fire emblem heroes is literally a loot box that
3: it is. Yes. It
0: is five random heroes and there's possibilities of getting certain heroes. If you're applying them to certain, uh, what they call banners, which is just, this is a themed loot box more or less. And that, and it's just random. It's random what you get and there are percentages and there are ways to make it easier to get certain heroes, but Mostly, it is just pulling the lever of the, of the slot machine, and mo- more often than not, just like a slot machine, you lose. You don't get what you're looking for. Uh, oh, boy. Yes, that,
3: you
0: do. <laughs> I mean, that game, that game has added a ton after launch. They've added uh, a whole new mode called Tempest Trials that is, is pretty interesting. It's a points-based thing uh, that allows you to get new heroes or new uh, skills and abilities, they just added another, really recently, they just added another huge um, kind of season to the game where now they've, they've added the ability to craft weapons, uh, craft higher level versions of weapons on your characters, um, adding tons of new skills, tons of new characters. I like keeping up with that game from a distance, like, I'll, I'll watch YouTube videos of other people playing it, or other people... I was going to say,
2: are you still playing this? After no, all that, that certainly rances? not.
0: Like, I had to quit cold turkey. I, I know, like, this was literally an addiction for me at one point, and I needed to stop, and I deleted it from my phone and my iPad, and I've never looked back, uh, at least never looked back from the playing at standpoint. I, like I said, I can watch some people play, watch some people play it on YouTube, or watch people go over the new units, because... Again, I think the art and voice work is is really impressive in a game like this, and I just want to see uh, how a lot of these characters are represented because that, that's one of the cool things about this game is they're pulling from really old Fire Emblem games, and these games were made with pixel art or made, uh, made on super old hardware, and, and you don't get really good representations of these characters or the representations that are there come from the manual, and all of those look like really really old japanese uh, animation techniques and it's
2: you mean the best <laughs> kind of animation techniques
0: uh, there's there's some <laughs> rough looking ones
2: i i really enjoy that reverse cover though for uh, fire emblem uh, Echoes. so it's oh, a nice touch
0: yeah yeah absolutely like it's a it's a really cool fan servicey touch there but uh but yeah there's something about heroes being able to kind of reimagine what fire emblem can be or what fire emblem is that, that I think is is just really cool. Uh, so I'm I'm still planning on sticking with that game from a curiosity standpoint of of just wanting to see what's in it, but I, I think I'm totally okay at this point. I've reconciled that I don't need to play this game, I don't need to spend money on this game. Let's let's just let's just leave it be. <laughs> Uh, how about you guys? What what did you play uh, or saw this year that that doesn't make a list, but but is something that that you think needs a mention here?
1: I saw a yeah. lot that I, I, think I wanted to play. A, you can go first. Yeah, first. there's a lot that I wanted to play. Um, there's some stuff that I did play that didn't make a list. Uh, Chase, correct me if I'm wrong. Um, I can't believe I'm going to talk about this game on a, a year end podcast, but. Uh, is arms in your top 10
0: arms. No, I, I did not actually end up playing
1: arms. I, I played it for one night only, um, at a birthday party at some like bar and that game fell off so hard. It was not on a rooftop. <laughs> <Damn>. <laughs> they were young, like tattooed millennials though. Oh, okay. So <laughs> it fits some of it. Um, And there, that game is not great. It, it, if, uh, for the unfamiliar, it's a motion controlled fighting game, essentially with characters, Nintendo characters that have extendable arms. Um, but what I saw of it was the potential for something better, maybe like a better sequel. If the motion controls were a little more up to snuff. Um, but, it reminded me a lot of like the first time i played Wii sports yeah in that like picking up these con- controllers and and physically moving within your own environment and having the the screen react to it is still something that is really fascinating to me and especially outside of a vr um setting and i just i i i had a lot of fun with it for for an hour or hour and a half however long i played it. i just played against one other person um and we just, like, went through the entire roster, played a game with each character, essentially, and played all the maps, and I was done. And I have not picked it up again ever. I don't intend to play it ever again, but um, I I like that game probably more than everybody else does, and I also have, like, no desire to ever throw money at it, so I'm probably not a fan of it well, yeah, by I any stretch of the imagination.
0: I think you got the ideal experience for ARMS. I, I think that's a game that is, it has too much depth to be uh like a true sequel to wii sports like it's not it's not that easy to pick up and play kind of thing but it's also too shallow to remain a game that you keep coming back to uh even i I mean i think about another game like mario kart uh, or mario kart 8 deluxe i suppose is the is the one to go here where that game is is still fun to play on your own as a group uh with with a lot of repetition, you can keep going through those tracks. You can keep learning some of the tracks. You're continuing to unlock new things, and I think you're just overall enjoying the time you play with that longer. Whereas Arms, I think, I mean, if you played through it once, you played as each character, and right. you played it that yeah. one time and didn't go back. I, yeah, absolutely. I, I totally get it as like a short burst of look at what the the switch can do. Look at uh, how fluid some of this motion stuff actually works. And, wow, these visuals are pretty cool. I, I totally get it. But, yeah, I, I don't think it it does enough to sustain that fun over a long period. No, of not at all.
3: Um,
0: I think Splatoon 2 is, like, another game that kind of goes in the the Mario Kart way. of Like, that game has a more sustained loop of fun than, than a game like ARMS does. Um uh, and I guess I should mention Splatoon 2 as well. It's not, it's not actually on my list, but I enjoyed my time with Splatoon 2. Um, I think it's a fun game, and I think if I would stuck with it and really got into it, I could see it making my list easily. I just, there was a lot to play, and, and I think that was one of the games that kind of fell by the wayside for me. Matt, how about you? Uh, we haven't heard a game from you yet.
2: Well, this is going to be my poor one out for the 3DS line because there uh, were games that came out this year that I was kind of interested in checking out just because of time and money. Just didn't really pick them up, but I'll probably get to them later. Uh, Ever Oasis, which came out earlier this yes. year, Yes. Uh, from yeah. uh, one of the, the development teams that did the Mana series for Square Enix. Uh, it's sort of a action adventure RPG where you, uh, like like Dark Cloud or Act Razor kind of building towns uh, while completing you know dungeons and stuff like that. And, it looked interesting, I just didn't really pull the trigger to even play the demo just because I was just like, oh, I'll get to this eventually kind of thing, but uh, never really did. Uh, so down the line, I kind of want to check that one out. Uh, also, the uh, two uh, Dragon uh, Quest games that came out this year, the remakes of 7 and 8, uh, or at least the remake of 7 and then a port of 8, uh, which looked really interesting because they did that whole uh, you-can-switch-to-2D uh, or playing you know 3D on the top screen, 2D on the bottom, like a traditional Dragon Quest game. Uh, that looked really, really fascinating. But I just didn't have the time or energy to like drop forty bucks on a JRPG that I won't play this year.
0: They did that for so, seven.
2: Uh, didn't they do that for seven? I'm pretty sure they did that for seven, right?
0: I felt like that's the marketing materials for eleven.
2: Was that the mark? Oh, you're right. That yeah. was the marketing materials for Eleven. I got it mixed. Either yeah. way, it's a remake of Seven.
0: I was um, like, wait a minute, wait a minute. True. I bought Seven, and I don't remember that. <laughs> I got sorry, sorry. I only played the first couple of
2: Eleven. Hours. Well, Eleven, like again, Eleven that came out this year in Japan, or is that coming out?
0: Next uh, year? That I believe is out in Japan. Yes.
2: Yeah, uh, and hopefully so, it gets yeah, here yeah.
0: very soon because I.
2: Okay. Not well, yeah. That, then skip ahead then to the, something down the line. I'll look forward to. But yeah, the remakes of Seven and Eight. Uh, eight, such a like just amazingly scaled game for when it came out on the ps2 was like so like grand but like a lighthearted adventure that was really 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 like looked really well that level five sort of art style uh cel-shaded graphics that they've done over the years uh kind of it kind of started with that uh like that in dark cloud but yeah those were games i was interested in uh what was oh uh this came out for the Switch uh, oh, as well before, as PS2. Well, before you, before you move on, Master Zero.
0: Before you move on, like this was oh yeah. the, This I never owned a PS2 growing up, so this was my first time to actually play Dragon Quest Eight, and I I did find the time somehow to uh, to get through an eighty plus hour RPG.
2: You found uh, the time to play an RPG a month somehow. I don't know how you did that.
0: <laughs> I honestly, I don't either. <laughs> Uh, but yeah, that game that game is super good, and and it is really just a straight port of, of the PS2 version. There's like mm-hmm. a couple of little added extras, uh, but it's it's the same it's the same game, and it's it's a wonderful game. Yeah. But it, I mean, yeah, it, it's not a game that I would put on my list because I feel bad about putting putting ports uh, on a on a list like this uh, where I want to uh, I want to reward games that that did new things or tried new things this year. So you're not going to see. Like Pokemon Ultra Sun and Ultra Moon on my list because, I mean, I'm sure those are great games, but those are also basically just Sun and Moon from last year with a little added extra stuff. Um, Hmm. And and Dragon Quest is the same. What was your last one
2: uh, I was about to say, uh, but yeah, Blaster Master Zero was one of the Mm games that uh, came out because I love the original Blaster Master and wanted to try that one, but uh, when I saw like, oh, it's going to come out for the switch too. Maybe I'll, I'll just wait, uh, when I get a switch and that'll be one of those games that I wanted to get, you know, I'll get eventually. And, uh, bye-bye box boy. We, uh, yeah. one of our favorite games, Chase box boy. I love uh, box boy. Like, yeah, absolutely. I love it too. I haven't finished uh box box boy yet though. So I would feel cheated if I just skipped right, right, right to Bye box boy. Uh, so I will, uh, finish bye-bye our box box boy. And then get to the last game in this, uh, and I, I got to get that amiibo somehow too.
0: It is the it is the best naming convention for sure for mm. for a video game series. I also love that amiibo. Uh, I actually looked it up uh, last night of what it would cost to get one of the Japanese versions because I don't think it's come out to America yet. Nope. Um, f- Fifty bucks. <laughs>
2: yeah. yeah,
0: it's like, man, I like Ugh. I like Quibi as a character, but this is basically just a white cube. On a yeah. on a cylinder, <laughs> I don't think that's worth fifty dollars.
2: And that's something that'll probably come out for the Switch at some point. Like, if we're honest, like, I could um, totally you know. see
0: them making like a Box Boy collection that comes out on the Switch, and I think I'd yeah. play something like that. I would also play um, a Pushmo collection if if they mm-hmm. would make that, uh, or or just make a new Pushmo. Uh, yep. Yeah. Uh, I mean that's just hap- that's what happens when you talk about the Switch. It's like ooh, here are all these cool games that should be on it, um, and then we could be here all day if we're talking about games that would be great on a Switch. Um, but yeah, I, I, I I'm in the same boat. I started Boxbox Box Boy, and and I honestly didn't really enjoy it. Um, I I think there's maybe a little too much gimmicky stuff in that game. Uh, where I where I really enjoyed the first one, and then the third one. Uh, I saw a trailer for it, and it looks like they start to do escort missions. And I'm like, oh, I don't, uh, I don't know, I don't know if I want to do this. <laughs> so uh, eh, whatever, I it's might a end up, game. I might end up skipping those. But I, I do appreciate people's love for Box Boy, uh, and and yeah, it's the first game is fantastic. I'll give you that. Uh, all right, well, I only have one last one to to mention before we move on here, and that's Poyo Poyo Tetris, which is a game that came out this year. Uh, first time, at least to America. Uh, this is a game, though, that I imported from Japan for my Vita uh, a number of years ago, and I've been playing it a lot. So uh, I didn't, I didn't actually play it that much in 2017 because I've been playing it for years beforehand. Uh, so even though, even though it's like one of the perfect Switch games, like this is a this is a great game to to buy and play on your Switch, and I did a little bit. Uh, I just don't feel like I played it enough to to warrant it showing up on my my top ten. But nevertheless, that is an amazing game, and if you get a switch, I think it is one of the essential titles for it. Do you guys want to move into our actual lists?
1: Yeah. All right. Um, I think we should before before we do that. Um, I want to mention one more game that I don't think deserves to be on my actual list. Okay. Um, and that's that's HQ Trivia. Ah, yes. Um, so have you, guys, have you guys played HQ Trivia? I've played it. No, I time. know of
2: it because of all the buzz surrounding it, but just because it's yeah. like I work during the middle of the day and then work oh, until sure. evening, it's like I'm never available to play uh, such a social game.
0: I know two yeah. things. I, I've played one round of, of Trivia HQ, HQ Trivia, um, and I've learned two things from it. One is that Scott is great, and two is that Sharon is bad. I, that's all I know. <laughs> and the one um, Matt, the one round that I played was a Sharon round, and I felt so cheated.
1: Oh no! Yeah, that was um, that was I yesterday actually, so though. I, so like,
0: I'm, I plan on playing this more.
1: Yeah, I um I have an Android phone, so I don't even have the app. I have to play on other people's wow. phones, uh, which is a weird way of playing it. But it's also like kind of adds to the community aspect to it. Um. And unlike Matt, at 3 o'clock, I take a break during the day in the office. We all kind of gather around one desk and play together with a couple other people. Um, but yeah, it's a live trivia show with cash prices. Um, and it's hosted by this guy, prisoner, you could almost say, <laughs> like existential dread manifested in a human being. I mean, the greatest guy. This Scott. Uh, and the way this game has taken off is just fascinating to me. I mean, it has 180,000 people per game or something, and there's like a Twitch-like chat going the entire time. Um, it doesn't
0: seem like it should and work.
1: I, like it it, seems it like doesn't it, seem like what? It, it doesn't seem like it should work. It seems
0: like a game that that either logistically no. shouldn't be possible or legally shouldn't be possible, and it's, it's incredible that it's lasting this way. I mean, it's a trivia game and you answer there are 12 questions per per game. And if you get all 12 questions, right, then you get a share of however much money they, they put in the pot for that round. Um, what a thousand dollars. Uh, yeah, it's a thousand dollars. I think they've done larger pots in the past where it's like, this one's going to be a $3,000 one. Um, but yeah, mostly it's a thousand dollars and whoever's whoever ends up, uh, Having answered those twelve questions correctly gets a share of that of that money, uh, but you got to get all twelve questions right. And I I think there are ways to get like an extra life, uh, one one per game or something like that. But this is a live show. Yes. Yeah. It's it's it brings me back to the one versus one hundred days of of the Xbox three sixty, where mm. you actually had to tune in. Somebody there is there is a real life person on the other side who is. Asking the questions, who is making small talk, who's keeping the game going, and people are actually showing up. And in this age of DVRs and streaming services and pay and on-demand stuff, like everything is on demand now, for a game to say no, 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 we're going to make you come at these set times to play this game and to have it work is is baffling to me
1: and and just crazy. Yeah, it it really uh, taps into like a human being's desire for rituals, and that's what it's turned in for me. It's like three o'clock now; it's time to let's get a cup of coffee. So I'll gather on one person's desk and let's play together. Um, I think it also says something about the state of the world in 2017 that a game like HQ Trivia and also PlayerUnknown's Battlegrounds have become so popular in that like you are pitted against mobs of people and you are fighting it out to be come out on top. I, 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 I don't think it's a, a stretch to say it mirrors some like political things that are happening within our country. Um, because you're just like, everyone's the enemy and I'm going to be the best. Um, is something that I felt a lot this year, <laughs>
0: Yeah, but I mean, at the same time, you, you're talking about HQ trivia as an opportunity for community here. Like you, you play it with that's other true, people. Yeah, you guys are helping each other out. But it's tribalism. There's, there's, there's a way, Pierce, that we can all get
2: along. Like there's hope. <laughs> there's hope.
1: You play as a team it's in still, PUBG. I mean, <laughs> also that's true. But teamwork. that's what I'm saying. Is it? it's like tribalism more uh, yeah. than it is
2: but these are these are competitions like, like, too i mean that's just the nature yeah. of a game
1: is competition also i think these large it, scale competitions rather than <laughs> just like 4v4 is really cool
0: you not... this is a handheld game show and somehow i knew you were going to bring <laughs> up player unknown's battlegrounds yeah
2: although yeah, I mean... what i'll say about trivia hq hq trivia is that it, it's ingenious that they they caught the wave of smartphone Like, as opposed to one versus 100, like, imagine if uh, Microsoft, instead of using their their 360 uh, environment, had, oh, well, we'll put this on mobile devices uh, instead, which weren't as, you know, prevalent at the time, but were just starting out to be, like, a big thing.
3: Yeah.
2: it, you know, yeah, it's uh, like to your point, Chase. Like, yeah, you're asking people to meet at a set time, but it's also on one of the devices that people have with them all the time, anyway.
0: Absolutely, and and I do think it's a time and place thing. Even though this time and place seems like a weird time and place for it, I think it ends up working in the game's favor that that this kind of cuts through the clutter. And I wonder if back then, when One versus One Hundred came out for the 360, if instead it came out for the for phones. I wonder if it actually would have been as popular as this is now. I I think there might be something to just the climate of of games that people play, or the way that people live their lives right now, that actually ends up being kind of conducive to this. Where this is something that they can hold on to.
2: Um, It's probably not the last you'll see of a game of this type, even if it you know ends because they run out of money or funding, or it just doesn't you know they can't find some stability. Uh, to make it viable for the you know longer period of time, but I'm sure somebody else will pick up or you know copy this uh, down the line.
0: Totally, Pierce. Have you won any money?
1: I've not. No. boy. <laughs> it's about the journey. It's not about the destination. <laughs> all right. That's that's what all
0: the losers keep telling themselves. <laughs> uh, let's let's move on to our lists. And Matt, I would love it if you would start us off here.
2: Oh, you want me to start? Okay, I'll start with, let's start with the easy one out of the way. Yes, Fire Emblem Echoes. Uh, was it Shadows of Valentia is the full title? That's have correct. Box in front of you. you got it. Uh, that is, uh, yeah, uh, one of the games I played this year and one of my favorites that I played this year. Um, like most Fire Emblem games, I'm playing hard classics, so it's taking me a long time to get through. And I put it down for a long period of time as well, too, because we'll... I'm sure we'll get to the point of where I've spent most of my time playing video games this year, uh, a little later in the show. But uh, yeah, it's a very different take on Fire Emblem. It's, uh, what was it uh, called in Japan, Fire Emblem Gaiden kind of situation where it's taking everything familiar with Fire Emblem. you got your turn-based battle system, you take your turns, get swords, spears, bows, uh, Pegasus Knights, Cavaliers. But instead of using the weapon triangle, you know, sword beats axe, axe beats spear, spear beats sword, they do away with that. It's now more of a, well, what items do you have? Do you have a shield? Well, you get better defense and can, you know, you pretty much be like a tank for uh, the battle, even with like a leather shield, which is kind of funny. Uh, and also uh, terrain. If you're in the forest, you get a better uh, avoidance and effects. So it definitely takes a lot of uh, different uh, liberties with the Fire Emblem that I've come to know over the years. But I... I I rather enjoyed it uh there's some weird things like dungeon crawling in 3d that kind of hit or miss uh I don't find them as annoying so far in the game but you know it's something like well I'd rather just be on the map and getting to the next battle and to the next point in the, the chapter but it is a good way to grind in some places too so that that helps uh uh what else leveling up your characters is a little different this time but I won't get into the you know minutia of all that it's it's just such a very nice update to a very old NES uh, game. What was it, the second release yep. uh, when they uh, came out? So like like traditional NES games on the Nintendo or the Famicom, it's, uh, well, here's the first game, and here's the second game in the series, and we're completely changing everything about it. So, But keeping the, some of the same things as well, too. Right. Uh, but if you want more of an in-depth Fire Emblem game this year, it's... Definitely should check out uh, uh, Fire Emblem Echoes. Absolutely, I I love it. <clears throat> it's
0: uh, even though it's not, it's the first Fire Emblem game on 3DS to come out that has not been my favorite game of the year. Uh, it's close. It's my. It ends up being my number three, but I I had a blast with it. Uh, I think that the it, it is way different from Awakening and Fates. Uh, like you mentioned, there there isn't the weapon triangle. There aren't a lot of things that you recognize as. Core to what Fire Emblem is, and you're not
2: grinding for kids now,
0: right? Absolutely,
2: but you still have relationships if you want to do that kind of stuff.
0: Yeah, I, I think they brought in enough of what new Fire Emblem is and mixed it with uh, staying true to what Gaiden was, and they've made they've made something really really strong. I, I think it's a it's a fun game and mechanically it feels fun in a different way than Fates and Awakening, and and I appreciate that. I, I hope some of the things from Echoes find their way into the Switch game. I mean, I still like the marriage mechanic. I like getting the children. Um, I like the weapon triangle a lot. I like a lot of the things that Awakening and Fates do, but there are certain systems. I like the way that skills were mapped to equipment on uh, in this game. Um, mm-hmm. I I liked more of the focus on on the terrain effects, like you mentioned. Uh, there were there were definitely cool things, and and one of the things, one of the biggest things, is this game was fully voice acted and really yeah, well voice acted too. on this too. There are, there's an amazing voice cast, and and for me, I was just coming off um, of of Persona Five as I started to play this. And I was like, I, I recognize this voice. I recognize that voice. I recognize that voice. And it like a lot of the, a lot of the people you know and love from Persona Five and previous Persona games and uh, lots of other games uh, find their way into this game as well. And it's 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 just a really nicely voice acted game. I, I enjoyed my time with it immensely, and can definitely see myself going back and, and playing it again. There's there's some cool stuff in there
2: yeah, it'll be interesting to see where Nintendo takes the series. Now that they have, you know, that kind of hardware bump with the switch now, uh, like, and they have not brought fire emblem back to the consoles, except for, uh, warriors, which is a completely different game. Mm-hmm. But yeah, it's, uh, it'll be interesting to see what they're going to do next year. Uh, with, uh, you know, it's going to probably be a new game. Is it going to be like a remake of something? Uh, I I'd say everything's going to point to, this is a completely new fire emblem game. Uh but yeah, this is, yeah, just the production values and Echoes, it kind of surprised me. Like, wow, it's like, not only do the characters have feet, like in uh, Fire Emblem uh, Fates, <laughs> but they've, you know, added, like, you know, uh, cut that they started with Awakening, and just, it looks really, really nice uh, for the 3DS, especially.
0: Pierce, I know you're a huge Fire Emblem fan. Tell me about your thoughts on this game.
1: Uh, yeah, I'm just sitting here twiddling my thumbs while you guys are just spacing out. Yeah, I know. You, you,
0: you tend to grumble as I, I'm as I talk about
1: Fire Emblem. I know. I just, I never, I, I don't know. I'm trying to find the right words for this. I need an entry just not a chess player. to the Fire Emblem series.
0: Yeah, I mean, I would, I would tell you it's Awakening. Like, Awakening was was really my yeah. entrance to it. I, I played previous Fire Emblem games, but I never got into them the same way I got into Awakening. And yeah, like, but I I recognize that it, that might not be everyone's perfect entry point. Um, so we'll see. I, I don't know. Maybe it's the Switch game that's coming out next year. We'll. we'll uh, uh,
1: yeah, I think that's probably the, uh,
2: that's yeah. the answer.
1: <laughs> Matt, hit
0: me with your next game on your list.
2: Uh, you want me to go right next to my next one? Okay. okay. So uh, I guess well, as far as 3DS games, number two or number one is uh, Metroid: uh, Return of Samus. Uh, this is the uh, so another,
0: another remake of a second game in a franchise. <laughs> <Yep>. <laughs> is on here. Uh,
2: yes, it is also a remake. <laughs> so, but it, it is completely redone. Like uh, the company Mercury Steam, uh, developers uh, who had previously done was it the, the Lords of Shadow uh, 3DS game, which mm-hmm. was uh, I heard that wasn't an great. attempt. Yeah, it was an attempt. Uh, it is a very sluggish. Sluggish, like slow, slow. Like I mean, frame rate slow, as molasses uh, playing game. But they seem to have done something with uh, Metroid. It is one of the smoothest experiences I've ever played on a 3DS. It is like just the the way they do action in this game is like uh, countering just makes it very engaging. Uh, to uh, like take down enemies, they'll charge at you, and you can quickly do a quick uh, counter, and then. Uh, get them in one shot uh but i'm just impressed that they took like an old game boy game uh another another one where they were like well the metroid was a big hit let's take this franchise and put it on the game boy (laughs) and uh make that the sequel and yeah it it's pretty much the same kind of uh game that you had on that one where you're hunting down metroids on uh the planet of sr 388 three 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 eighty i forget actual name Uh, i don't have notes in front of me but yeah it is a very solid remake uh, that kind. It gets like pretty much the exact same core of what the original game did, and improves upon it. Like the soundtrack's fantastic. I got a little bit of nostalgia when I heard the original theme, uh, the overworld theme, uh, boot up for the first time when you uh, play the game, and it's it's yeah, it's it's just really really solid. You should definitely check it out.
0: It reminds me a lot of Zero Mission in that way. Whereas Zero Mission was a, a remake reimagining of the very first Metroid. Um, yeah that
2: that one was more like you know that felt yeah you know, it was using more of the mechanics that they built upon in uh metroid uh, fusion and super metroid uh, to remake the original this is uh kind of the same thing but it's all fully 3d it's definitely a different engine and it feels a little different too from uh those kind of uh types of metroid games so yeah it's uh I am I'm very impressed with them. Like I like everyone's like, Mercury's team's doing this is like oh, yeah, what what have they done in the past? Oh, they did that Lord's of Shadow game. Well, I don't know how this is gonna actually play out. Like is it gonna be very like, you know, slow? But yeah, they were able to they pulled it off. Absolutely I'm very impressed with this game. Uh I should admit I have not beaten either of these games yet,
3: Because
2: uh, <laughs> yeah, 'cause I'm sure we'll get to that later. But That's just uh yeah, it's it's really, really good. I'm gonna play through it and yeah, I'm, I'm very happy I got Finally, a Metroid game on the 3DS. That is a 2D, quote-unquote, Metroid game.
0: Yeah, yeah, absolutely. Like we, <laughs> we have not gotten that. We've gotten facsimiles or just straight up... spinoffs. offs Yeah, not, not what you're looking for. Uh, but yeah, I, I'm glad this can satisfy those Metroid fans out there. Uh, so now that my voice can be louder and heard when I say I want more Golden Sun, uh, because now you guys got what you want. You guys can quiet down. Those are the now same. Now Nintendo, yes, those are completely now the Nintendo same. Now <laughs> Nintendo can get back to the important work of bringing back Golden Sun instead of trying to bring back Metroid all the time. But
2: um, I'm sure we'll talk about this later when we get to future things, but yeah, the Switch is pretty much perfect for JRPGs, so you might, you might get your wish.
0: It is, and I'm really disappointed that there haven't, been that many great JRPGs on the Switch yet? Like that's uh-huh. that's oh, the one wonder- area
2: xenoblade chronicles 2 just came out chase i i don't like xenoblade uh, i know
0: i know I, <laughs> I know it's i know it's supposedly a good one i just have not enjoyed that series when i've tried it
2: yeah supposedly okay <laughs>
0: <laughs> critically acclaimed but not chase acclaimed uh, there so, we
2: go
3: <laughs> uh
0: but yeah there are there some good me. stuff we, we will mention some jrpgs coming out in 2018 um was that the rest was that all of your list
2: that's that's the all of what I played on a on a handheld for me this year. We'll okay. we'll get to uh, another one that I'm sure we'll be talking about a little bit here.
0: Okay. Yes, I know which one you're talking about, Pierce. Mm-hmm. That means you're up, buddy. What do you got uh, for us?
1: I. All right. So I don't know if these are in order, but I'm going to start with the the less meaty okay. of them. And uh, a game I really liked this year was Kirby's Blowout Blast. Yeah, um, you is, brought
0: this game up to me a yeah. while ago, and I. I think I had um, a very surprised reaction to you of well, what are yeah, you playing that game for? It
1: hasn't, didn't exactly set the world on fire outside of my little world. Um, it's an expanded spin off game um, from Kirby Planet Robobot
3: mm-hmm.
1: uh, from last year. And basically, it's. It, I, I'm hesitant to say it's a mini game, um, but it, each level is this like linear level that you're progressing through it and you're trying to gobble up as much, uh, coins and enemies and then not take damage. And then you get a score at the end and you get a rank. So it's super simple. It's nothing, um, very innovative at all, but it hit me at the right time when it came out, came out in summer. I was swamped with, um, the lead up to PAX West and PAX dev. And the great irony of working on PAX is you, you have less and less time to play video games.
3: <laughs> um,
1: and so this was like this really awesome game that I could just pick up. I could run through a level, um, but I can also run through the level multiple times to, to enhance my score and try to get that gold rank um, and unlock EX stages, um, which are basically just the same level, but harder. Um, and yeah, it, it has like this really great loop for me. It, the levels are only two and a half minutes, maybe three minutes. Uh, it controls really well. It's pretty. It's, it's there's just a very, it's a very soothing game. Even though you are the, the the pressures on to like especially if you've played the the levels a couple times, the pressures on to get a higher score. Um, it kind of hit me with the right amount of challenge, but also something I could pick up play for five minutes put down, uh, which is exactly how I like my handheld games
0: nice
2: I, it, it I'm just to... looking up a little bit on this game while you were talking and looks like a little kind of like Kirby's dream course uh, or like one of those spin-off Kirby games
1: yeah exactly I mean the whole Kirby like um, gameology game, game of gr- discography whatever it's called <laughs> all like the yeah all the Kirby games is something that's always been kind of weird to me it, it's like to a lesser extent like fire emblem where it's like what are the main entries what are these Spinoff games. Um, I never really understood it, but this one just got its hooks in me for some reason. Nice, and uh, it's cheap. It's like six bucks. It seven reminds bucks.
0: me a lot of like a uh, Captain Toad's Treasure Tracker, where it's we're going to take this what was essentially a mini game, and we're really going to blow it out. Uh, God damn it! <laughs> um, uh, I did not mean to say that. <laughs> um, of course not. But we are we are really going to uh, enhance it and flesh it out as much as we can uh, to, to make, because there's something compelling there. Like this, this mini game was compelling already. And now we're really going to, to test the limits of, of what we can do with it. And I, I think in that, in that respect, it's, it's really cool. I, I, I would like to play this game and yeah, that $6 price tag is, is a, is a very easy thing to, uh, to overcome. Like, yeah, that's, Six dollars, I could do that, no problem. I'll yeah, just... I think
2: I think I might yeah. pick this up before uh, my flight next week, so I have something to play on the plane uh, for a little quick burst. Perfect environment.
1: There. Yep. Yeah, definitely.
0: What's next, Pierce?
1: Uh, the next one is Animal Crossing Pocket Camp. Um, <sighs> this is another game that, yeah, a lot of people don't seem very high on, but um, granted, I only played for I... like
2: ten minutes and got right up to the part where you meet the uh, was the the mechanics. Uh, the Eagle Eagle trio or whatever.
1: Yeah. The guys where you can expand your van, Mm -hmm. um, change the colors. Yeah. I know. Like, I know this isn't really an animal crossing game. It is definitely optimized for mobile where progression is super fast at first where you're, um, expanding your camp, making new furniture, meeting much people, gathering items. Um, And then now I'm reaching the point of it. I'm level 10 right now. I think I want to say it's like a level 40 cap, Um, but I'm hitting that like first uh, wall where now they're starting to encourage the microtransactions in order for you to advance. Um, But I, I'm really digging it. I like, like I know a lot of people didn't like happy home designer, but I like decorating my camp with stuff. I like buying clothes and it's, like, things I like doing in real life, but I get to do it in this, like, cute Nintendo environment. Totally. Um, and I'm also not the person that spends money on microtransactions. What are you saying?
0: I just, I, I, I mean, I totally get your, what you enjoy about this game, but that's what I enjoy about most Animal Crossing games. Like, that's, it's absolutely building, building your own house and, and building your own style and meeting uh, meeting the animal friends and like that's just that's what Animal Crossing is and I I right. think the the way that they've tried to monetize this is very un-Animal Crossing <clears throat> and I mean Animal Crossing is supposed to be this very relaxing game and then the way they yeah. put timers on everything and the way they put uh, conditions on everything and I, th- I think the thing that really bummed me out more than, more than anything is that everybody gets the same animals at the same time. I, you, yeah. You start out with Apollo awesome. and Goldie and Jay, and so does everyone else. And it's like, that's a real bummer because the part of Animal Crossing that I love is me playing a game and going, Oh, well, I know I have this random assortment of, of characters and Oh wow, this person came to my town. And then I talk to my friend and I go, Oh, who's, who's that? Like I, I've never even seen that person or, I have a certain kind of fruit in my town. I'll never forget that the very first fruit I had in my Animal Crossing town was a peach. And I went to a friend's uh, town in that game, and they had apples. And I went, "What the fuck is this? This is crazy!" <laughs> uh, and in this game, all the trees are just in one spot, and you have to come back two hours later to pick them again. And I don't know; some of the magic
1: is gone for me. But I mean, I'm glad. I'm glad you're enjoying it. But this, is, this kind of goes back to what I was saying at the beginning of the episode of that the, the Nintendo kind of like stabbed me in the back a little bit with these encouraging microtransactions, which I know is irrational. But when I, the only time I put this game down is when I feel a little slighted from like there being basically a paywall of progress. And at the same time, I really like opening it up Every time I, I'm sorry to mention PUBG again, but like in between PUBG matches, I'm bringing it up and I'm doing a couple requests and collecting some fruit and checking out what clothes are for sale. Mm-hmm. And it's just it's like my it's my idle game. It's a it's a type of game that I've been searching for all year. That I've we tried playing um, Magic Carp Jump, and that was also like super shallow and it encouraged progress, um, but it didn't it didn't get me like animal crossing pocket camp does and i know it's not a perfect game i know it has a lot of flaws but i'm really enjoying it i don't care
0: Fuck i you guys. that's fair if you're in, if you're enjoying it that's that's kind of all that matters uh, especially yeah. when it comes to to your own list i yeah uh, knowing how i got burned by fire emblem and like not allowing myself to be burned again by animal crossing and also, just the like slight disappointment I had in Super Mario Run. I think there's there's something to that game, but I just I wasn't getting it. Um, I've been pretty disappointed by Nintendo's uh, mobile mobile efforts right now, and uh, I hope I hope they can can make it turn it around and make them work because I, I I think the idea of a mobile Animal Crossing is is such a great idea and such a no brainer. And man, I really wish they had nailed this for me. And, and they just didn't, but I'm, I'm glad you're getting enjoyment out of it. Somebody, somebody should.
1: Yeah. For me, it's uh, none of the, go on.
2: Yeah. I was just going to say for me, it's just the anxiety of like, do I want to start this when I have my new leaf village that I have not checked in on in two and a half years? (laughs) Maybe I'll go back to that. Uh, uh, but no, I don't want to. I don't want to bring disappointment to everybody in that that village. So, <laughs> but, uh, yeah. I, I, Actually, I just don't have the will in me to start a new Animal Crossing game when I have like pretty much one that I have played a little bit, uh, but not really fully delved into. Still sitting on my 3ds, which I could just jump back into and get a full uh, Animal Crossing experience on that.
0: Yeah, I mean one of the one of the worst things about Pocket Camp that I've seen is that there are perpetual weeds. Like there, there's an area you cannot move to, and there are just weeds on the ground staring at you, mm. begging, begging to be pulled, and you can't do anything <laughs> about them. It is torture, absolute torture. Uh, but yeah, I mean the convenience of being on a phone is is what this game's all about. Like to, to know that, that, helps, that it's yeah. in your pocket all the time, and that you can just pull it out and play, play a little bit, and check in. That's that's kind of the dream for what animal crossing should be because I don't take my three DS everywhere with me. Um, but I, I would like to, <laughs> I would, uh, like that's, so I'm just not playing new leaf all the time. Um, I'm not, like even if this game comes to, comes to switch, if an animal crossing game comes to switch, I would definitely buy it and play it a lot. I'm sure. But there is something about having it always with you. Whereas the Switch is not a console, I always have with me, and, and this this should be perfect for Animal Crossing, and for me it's not. But it should.
2: Maybe they'll update it because they've been updating, you know, Fire Emblem Heroes uh, throughout the year. So this is, you know, they're not going to just, oh well, some people don't like it, but we're going to stop right now. Yeah, we'll they're, not gonna, they're not going
0: to they're not going to cast it off. But yeah. also, I yeah. feel like the the changes and additions they add are are only going to. Further facilitate microtransactions, not get rid of them. <laughs> so. I I don't hold a whole lot of hope for for that. Uh, anyway, let's get on to nicer things. Pierce, what is the next game on your list?
1: Uh, the last game on my list is a game that I believe is on your list as well, and that is Sonic Mania. That's true. It's a good game. Let's talk um, it is a it is a good game. I should preface this by saying I like Sonic the Hedgehog. One is in my top ten um chase and i have had this discussion because sonic the hedgehog 2 is probably the superior game but for some reason the first one in part because of nostalgia but in part because i like that spin dash isn't in that game no.
0: oh really well i'm, I glad, know. I'm glad, glad you recognize strange. that sonic 2 is the better game um so i'll allow you to have your incorrect opinion yeah, that you sure. like sonic 1 better
2: yep Side note, uh, in, I'm even playing Sonic, Sonic, Sonic
0: Mania, 3DS. Hey,
2: that's a, that's oh, nice. there. Oh, that's bad, not bad. That was cheap this year too. Uh, good game, good game, good port. Still is. Yeah. It is a good game. They, they mess up um, the Sega thing
1: in the beginning though. It sounds oh, horrible. I don't know how that happened. But, that's well.
2: terrible. That's one of the best parts Once, of that game.
1: I got to find like a YouTube. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um, but yeah, anyway, Sonic Mania, um, much covered, uh, it is Sonic's proper return to that that era of games. Um, I had a strange reaction when you when I booted into it. So you go into it and it's like kind of an amalgamation of Green Hill Zone um, from the original Sonic the Hedgehog, right? And as I'm playing through it, very happy, smile on my face, I realize that I sort of resented Sonic Mania, <laughs> and so. the reason being because the first two games were so important to me. I was mad that this game took so long to finally come out. <laughs> and like like a beleaguered like fan of the Cleveland Browns or something like that. Like there was a feeling of like like I, d- I didn't play a lot of the other Sonic games for the last 20 years, but like I knew that I liked those first two games a lot and like I f- I felt a kinship with them. And the, the fact that the series was so crappy, like, made me a better fan of the first two games. Which I don't know if that makes sense, but totally. No, no. I mean, yeah, it, it like galvanizes you. You see, yeah. you know what I mean? Yeah,
2: yeah. It's almost um, like waiting for a like a. Uh, uh, Return to form. They've been waiting years and years and years to come out, and they, they finally did it, like with Metro. <laughs> except you're waiting yes. twice as long,
0: Pierce. I like, but your... you still
2: have you still have the games of your one of your favorite characters still coming out constantly, <laughs> and none of them hitting. At Just all. to
0: remind you to stick the needle in a little further, Pierce. Yeah. I like your your uh, analogy of the the Cleveland Browns fan. The the difference is. <laughs> that in this situation it's like the fans of the Cleveland Browns said, "Well, fuck this. We're going to make our own football team and we're going to do it right this time." <laughs> Cuz this isn't Sega. Yeah, this isn't is Sega just analogy. finally figuring exactly, it out. Exactly, yeah. This is fans that have have come together and have made really cool things and Sega finally kind of relented and went, "Okay, we we know we don't know what to do with this anymore. Why don't you guys come in and play GM on this one?" And and they've they came in and they knocked it out of the fucking park.
2: And okay, you think you're so hot? Go ahead. Oh, you
0: did the better game than this, us this yeah, year. Yeah, absolutely. Right? Like uh, if the choice is between Sonic Mania and Sonic Forces for this year, Sonic Mania <laughs> destroys Sonic
1: Forces. Oh, uh, yeah, it, it's great. it is it is a fascinating business decision by them. Like, uh, I, correct me if I'm wrong. Pick up that game when I get a switch. Yeah, it, yeah. I mean, I'm I'm actually playing on PS4, but it counts. <laughs> no, it <laughs> I, counts.
0: I told him it counts. I told him yep. it counts. Yep. Uh,
1: yeah, yeah. Uh, but yeah, it's it's fascinating to me that. So correct me if I'm wrong, because I I'm only sort of familiar with the backstory. But Christian Whitehead's this guy who's is he developing just like fan made levels in in like five or six years ago?
0: Uh, he was doing and, he was doing hacks and and uh, and tribute games and and things like that. Yeah.
1: And then Sega was like, "Hey, you're pretty good. Why don't you give this a shot?" Or like, how did was I, a, I, I don't know how you it, get to the point where like someone Sega decides to legitimize him? Yeah, well,
0: it was a, it's a little more complicated than years. that. Uh, he he came in. He'd been doing this for a while, and I think Sega was uh, I don't know if Sega was looking for this or he just offered it to them. But he ended up doing the ports for Sonic One and Two on uh, iOS devices and he okay. he was able to, to port those uh, using technology that Sega didn't even think was possible like he was he was able to bring knuckles into Sonic one which I guess wasn't supposed to work with the way that they've coded things um, and and he was just able to do build these things out of the code that they just weren't sure were even possible so he built up a reputation with them and I believe he also got to make Sonic CD as a port for for um, iOS devices as well, and maybe even bringing uh, those games to further consoles. Like I know Sega uh, Sonic CD came out to uh, like Xbox as well, and I think those were versions that he worked on. And then I think he he kind of knew that he had enough clout within Sega that he pitched them. Hey, what if, what if I do this, what if I do make this new 2d Sonic game? You know, that I have the capabilities that I know what Sonic is, that I can be truthful to the brand. And, and I think they ended up just saying, you know what, you've, we'll give you the leeway to, to see what you can do. And, and that's where Sonic mania comes from. Gotcha.
1: And, and um, man, it's great, but yeah, that's the, so that, I guess that's the story behind the whole game, but we haven't really talked about the actual game. Um, Sonic Sonic Mania being a 2D platformer with pixel art, very traditional, um, steeped in references. So many references that I know I'm missing a bunch.
0: Absolutely, um, I mean, there's so there's huge, deep stuff in there that I like stuff I don't even get, and I am a yeah. pretty big Sonic fan. Like as a person who read the Archie comics. Like, I would count uh, myself with among The most them.
1: embarrassing
2: thing about you. It Michael. absolutely is. Like, I, I'm not
0: proud of <laughs> they're, it. They're all right, comics. I, yeah, they're totally fine. But, like, it's not something someone should willingly just bring up and say that, Ooh. oh, yeah, that's <laughs> something I did. Uh, but, hey, that that is something I did. Um,
2: Any references to the uh, old two cartoon shows? Or is that just, like... So far uh, I mean,
0: I never saw scratch and grounder in there, but like I, mm. I would be hard pressed to say there aren't uh, things that are in this game that that call out those right. two cartoons. Like one of the the craziest things to me is that it actually has references to Knuckles Chaotix, which is like thirty two X game that nobody played. I uh, played that. Oh well, I'm very proud then because that it's is I love that. A- I love that game. It's not okay. It's not good, but I love that game.
2: It tries. Uh,
0: Yes. Uh, It's
2: more than an attempt. They really tried to, you know... Hey, you you know, at that time, we were... Sonic fans, throw us a bone for something. Oh, well, here's Knuckles, but you're tied to a guy the whole time. (laughs) Have fun.
0: Yeah, I...
2: I, There's the bone. I enjoyed those terrible... You got the bomb again? Too bad.
0: Um, But then there was also... uh, uh, Oh, well, lost my train of thought. Um, nope, Some totally lost my
3: thought.
0: <laughs> <laughs> oh, I, I remember. Like, um, uh, here's, here's a little bit of a spoiler for people. Uh, so if you don't want to know anything and you should just go in plain blind, this is the time to uh, to pause this real quick. Uh, but
2: well, here's
0: <laughs> Well, Pierce, you've gotten to the, to the second stage, right? You've gotten past the uh, the second act.
1: Yeah, I, I. should also point out that I have not beaten it. I'm. About, I'm. I've looked it up. There's a certain number of levels, which I guess I don't need to reveal. Uh, and I'm halfway through the game, like yeah. almost exactly halfway.
0: All right. Through the game. Well, just sorry, sorry, Matt, but there is a Doctor Robotnik's <laughs> okay. mean don't, bean. Don't worry
1: machine. about
2: me. I, I, I did not <laughs> care about spoilers for All this right, game because right. I'll play it eventually.
0: Well, there's a there's a Doctor Robotnik's mean bean machine reference, and not just a reference. Oh, that nice. is the second boss fight of the game. Uh, when you get done with the chemical plant zone. Uh, you get dropped down into a boss fight that is absolutely just playing Poyo Poyo. Uh, oh, that is so cool! And it's it's amazing. And you can unlock that mode as as a uh, by doing terrible terrible things. You have to keep playing that damn Sonic Three bonus stage that I hate. I've always hated. But you have to play it enough uh, to get a certain number of <laughs> medals to unlock that uh that Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine as a as a separate mode that you can play either by yourself or with a friend and it has the music and the music is so good it's some of the best music in video games ever and it's oh man I love Dr. Robotnik's Mean Bean Machine like I here's here's how bad this is I had Poyo Poyo Tetris which is the game like you could just play Poyo Poyo, which is the same thing as Dr. Robotnik's Me Machine I had a game that already did that and I decided I needed to keep playing this stupid thing that I didn't like which is the bonus stages to unlock another mode that is the exact same game as I already own except it has one piece of music that I really liked from as a kid that's there my life go. that is my life <laughs> But yeah, Sonic Mania is great. It's my it's my so, number two. Sonic Mania is
1: really good. Yes. the uh, the level design is top notch. Um, that I think it does it does away with um, some of Sonic's inherent speed. I think it, it tries to push you toward that, but you're really punished for going pretty fast. Um, it's a hard game. It's like Chase and I were talking about this before the podcast started. Mm. I am surprised how hard this game is. Mm. And I thought I was gonna bust right through it, but it's like like uh, Sonic and Knuckles
2: hard kind of.
0: I put it in that I category. Don't, it's like
2: yeah, uh, it? It, it's kind of tough not not impossible, but there are some tough levels well, that are what, a little frustrating. One of the uh, things like that one, one of the things I've noticed is that when
0: you are playing um, when you're playing a Sonic game for the first time and going through a level for the first time. You do have to be slow because you you aren't sure what's coming, and there there are often times in the design where they just put enemies in your way or put spikes in your way or or just have a, a pit that you that you might not have been able to see the first time, and it feels a little unfair. But as you play it again and again and start to learn these stages, that's when the speed comes back. Like now now you kind of know what yeah, you're anticipating true. things. You can play it as like a more of a mastery level. And I do think this game at least offers some times where it goes, you know what, it's okay to, to just go fast. Like we are, we are building this so you can go fast and have that fun uh, fun idea uh, of what it feels like. But when you really get good at this game, you should be able to go fast all the time because now you know what to look out for. But yeah, there, there was definitely, especially in those later stages... Where I was crawling, like I was, I was creeping along because I didn't, I didn't want to die. I wanted to get through these levels, uh, but I think if I went back now, I would would definitely blaze a trail way faster. And that's great for sure. Uh, I think that's that's great that it has it, yeah. both
1: of those abilities. It's a it's a great game. Um, it will definitely. Uh, I got over my initial resentment, and I also got over my resentment of it being. <laughs> So hard. Yeah. <laughs> um, and I think it'll definitely probably f- fall into my top five overall, even outside of handheld games. So um, yeah. it's definitely number one on this list.
2: Yeah. I was going to pick it up on PS4, but I was like, well, I'm definitely going to get a switch. And this is a game that I really want to want to play on the switch. And yeah, it's, uh,
0: it's really good on the switch. Yeah. I think the, the only thing I don't like is that uh, when I was playing it on the TV, I don't think the Switch Pro Controller's D-pad is precise enough for mm. uh, those bonus stages, especially. Like, when you're, mm. when you're doing the Blue Sphere stuff, I, I messed up a lot of that stuff just by a kind of mushy D-pad. But it works great on handheld mode for that, because it's four distinct buttons, so you know you're not screwing up, or not accidentally yeah. uh, pressing a direction that you didn't mean to go to. Uh,
2: just use the Joy-Cons, Chase?
0: No. No. No, I will not. Do that. <laughs> uh, if, I'm, if I'm playing a dock, I'm playing with a pro controller. If I, <laughs> like that's. I will. I'm not. I'm not doing that. <laughs> All right, boys, are you ready for uh, for my longer list here? Hit me. All right, strap in. I got uh, some coffee. I've got a I've got a full ten here. I'm going to try to to go through these. Uh, relatively quickly, but I hope that you guys have some questions and that I'm able to explain them a little bit more to you or explain why I really like these games and why I think uh, maybe you guys should play them as well. So my number 10 is Monument Valley 2 for iOS and, and Android devices. Like uh, I, I like the first Monument Valley a lot, and Monument Valley 2 is not as good as the first game in a lot of ways. I think there's... Uh, it's kind of like you can't go home again, where you know it's harder to surprise you. You know what's kind of going to happen. You know how this game plays. It's not as mind-bendy as the original one was. But they, they do some neat things to kind of uh, subvert your thinking. They still continue to have uh, gorgeous visuals throughout and, and really nice music. And I think some of the puzzle design is, is really smart. There's, there's one puzzle specifically when you're in kind of a, a garden and you have to um, open these windows uh, to let light in on this tree. And as light grows on the tree, the tree grows higher and you're able to get to different uh, pathways through that. And I, I, that's a mechanic through a single level. And then they kind of toss it away and say, okay, now that you're done with that, now we're going to move on to new mechanics. And they do that all the time. And the the big new mechanic here is that uh, for a lot of the game, you're controlling, you're still only controlling one character, but there is a second character. Uh, it doesn't quite feel like an escort mission. It's more when I do one thing, this other character will kind of correspond and, and do something uh, that also helps, or I know the logic of this character, so I'm going to use them in, in a way uh that helps us both get to the end um, and they, they do a good job with it I, I think it's a solid game even if i think the first one's a little bit better
2: i totally forgot this game came out this year uh until we were doing the like i was looking up well what came out this year? oh yeah monument valley 2
0: yeah it was um, a it was a quick one it came out it yeah. was a stealth release kind of thing of oh and yeah, by the was, way you uh, can play it now one of the uh,
2: apple i played the first one uh and I really, really enjoyed it. And I'm gonna definitely check this one out because I got an iPad finally, nice. so it's kind of like the perfect uh, way to opportunity to try a game like this. Uh, yeah, playing on the iPhone, it's it's very crisp, uh, the original one. But I'd like to see it blown up uh, like a, a bigger screen because uh, that, that that art style is very, very nice and clean.
0: It really is, and, and know, it does I just, look. Super I want like nice. a
2: poster. Yeah, they, they sell
0: print. they sell posters. Us two games has posters of, of different thing of. Lots of different stages in there, and this yeah. is this is one of these games that I just uh, it it kind of has a photo mode or at least it has like you can take all the UI off and then take a screenshot. Uh, but I have some really good screenshots of this game, um, and one of them I use as my phone's background, and I've been using it since the game came out. It's it's really gorgeous. It's a it's a yeah. great.
2: Game little side note i've been doing the same thing since uh again ipad uh went back to sword and sorcery nice uh played a little of that and wow. it's like oh man this looks so much better on a bigger screen yes, uh really although i did does. play it on the pc so i know what it looks like on a nice high resolution but yeah seeing like on a nice crisp retina screen it's like oh man so this this art style is so good
0: yeah that game holds up mm. all right yes, uh it. number nine this is a game that i've actually played with pierce Ooh. it's mario Ooh. plus Rabbit's kingdom mario battle Rabbit. like yeah pierce played a switch this year
1: surprise here we <laughs> did we actually the, uh, that that play session was also very millennial in that we were we went and got brunch yeah <laughs> and then we <laughs> went back to my hotel room and we played a level of mario Rabbids.
0: yeah brunch wow. and brunch and mario it's some, some
1: nice avocado toasts for breakfast oh of
0: course only the finest <laughs> um, no, Mario Plus Kingdom Ra- uh, but Mario Plus Rabbids Kingdom Battle uh that was one of those games that when it leaked I, we all just laughed at it like what yeah. what the hell is I know. This? like this so bad. <laughs> this can't be this can't be good like I I don't I don't necessarily have a problem with Rabbids but those aren't the kinds of games that I like to play and I assumed this was going to be Something terrible, or something like a mini game collection, or something like that, and it ends up being this simplified yet incredibly strategic uh, turn based strategy game, and it really works. Like this, this this game is pretty much XCOM in a lot of ways. Like it, it has an Overwatch thought, uh, not not Overwatch the game, Overwatch the mechanic from from mm-hmm. XCOM. Uh, it's it's got shot percentages, but I think that's some of the ways that they smartly simplify things. Because you either get a hundred percent chance to to hit, a fifty percent chance to hit if they're behind cover, or a zero percent chance to hit if you're out of range or if they're in full cover. And I just it, it's great for from a strategy standpoint. Of I know I can get into position. I know I can make this shot. I know it'll do this much damage or at least this range of damage. And, and I can plan things a little bit more when I'm playing a game like fire emblem or like, uh, like XCOM as much as I love those games. And I think I like each of those games better than kingdom battle overall, but there's a sense of like, I did everything right. And a dice roll screwed me over. Like I had a 98% shot in XCOM and I missed it. That's, that doesn't feel that's like that's on me. It is? I know. I mean, I and I know that's what the game's <laughs> built to do. But like that doesn't feel like it should be on me. And in Mario, they say, "Yeah, it's not on you." Like if if you do the strategy right, we're going to reward you by saying, "Yeah, you got it. You, it's that you you <laughs> completed it." Uh, and I appreciate something about that. But then they use that. Like that makes the game easier, especially in that very first world that you're in. It makes the game pretty damn easy. Because as long as you're doing things more strategically, you're, you're winning every time. Uh, but then that simplicity they kind of bring back around on you because then they keep adding in things that will really make the strategy difficult. They'll, they'll add enemies that take away your ability to, 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 uh, to do things that you've been successful with previously. Like I, I mentioned, there's an Overwatch mechanic. And, and for the first world... That's great, or for the first couple worlds, it's great to to put on the Overwatch. Whenever an enemy comes by, uh, they get an automatic shot. Awesome. Uh, There end up being enemies that will start to teleport. So they don't run across the screen, so you never get your chance to proc your, your Overwatch. They just appear right next to you and shoot. And... Now it's taken away your ability to use Overwatch, so I hope you have. I hope you're a more well-rounded uh, strategist than just focusing on a single mechanic and and riding it to victory. Uh, so you really get a better sense of all of your characters and all of their abilities as you play the game. Um, I, I think they just did a really great job with it. The the one thing I really ah, there are a couple things I really don't like in this game. One is. Uh, outside of combat I think the the puzzle areas that they've made are really boring and require a lot of backtracking and and don't earn that backtracking at all and then the other problem is that when you're creating your team you uh, you can't you have to have a rabbit in your team at all time at all times and also Mario is in your team at all times which I guess I understand the Mario thing but I thought the Mario characters in this game—you can play as as Mario, Peach, Luigi, and Yoshi—I like them a lot, and I wanted to have them on my team exclusively. And the game says, "No, no, no! You got to have a rabbit in there somewhere." And
1: I, I mean, they knew that everyone was going to do that. Oh, if of course, they, if they didn't make you play a rabbit, so I, I get it. I guess <laughs> yeah. you just want to see Luigi dab all the time, right?
0: Uh, not necessarily, but, <laughs> but I do think Luigi is the oh, best here. character in that game. Luigi is a sniper, oh. uh, which is the way I like playing Xbox games. Uh, he's a cold mode. Luigi's the, the secret best hero
2: of
1: in every Mario, Mario game.
2: Yeah. <laughs> exactly. He's the secret hero of every Mario
0: game. Uh, you yes. get it. <laughs> we, are, we are Team Luigi over here at Gamers on the Go. Uh, I appreciate that we a are. lot.
2: Mario would still be missing if it weren't for Luigi.
0: That's very true. It's very, very true. Um. Uh, <laughs> Yeah, it's, it's still a great game. I think it's a fantastic Switch game. Uh, it works both on TV mode and portable mode. Uh, it's it's really good, and it gets yeah. really hard. Like, I haven't even gotten to the, the finale of this game because I, I got to a point where I'm like, man, this is this is tough, and also there's so much to play. Uh, so yeah, I'm going to put if this If it weren't it
2: for it being a strategy game, I probably would pass on this, but I'm definitely going to check it out.
0: They did a great job, and I think this is an amazing foundation for... Uh, a sequel. I I would like to see uh, Ubisoft go even deeper into Mario lore and and find some really interesting mechanics um, and bring in more, just bring in more of the Mario universe. There, uh, this game is so rabbids heavy, which I understand because that's it's still Ubisoft. But uh, all the enemies that you face are Rabbids of some sort, and I would have loved to see. Uh, them bring in more classic Mario characters as other enemies. I would like to see how you deal with, with uh, Koopa Troopas in this game. Like if they could hide into their shells and and take less damage or take no damage. Uh, I'd like to see what they could do with Shy Guys and, and how Shy Guys are so uh, versatile in, in all the things that they do uh, and, and all the the different variations of them. But I think that could make a great enemy. Um, I know there are some. I think there are some ghost uh, rabbit enemies here. But like, if you could do something with booze that would actually take into account the mechanics of a boo, where if you're looking directly at it, it's not. Uh, it it hides itself. It goes invisible. But maybe there are ways to get indirect damage on them uh, that that could be good. Or maybe you could, if it was. Um, focused on one player and attacking one player because one player's back was uh was faced to it then another player could come up from behind it and, and shoot it i i think there are cool things that you can do in the mario universe as a strategy game and i think they've only scratched the surface of what's possible so i i hope they they keep i hope they get a chance to make another game because i think they can do some really cool things uh, number eight on my list is Iron Marines, which came out for mobile. And I guess I should be somewhat transparent here. I did. I just did an episode of uh, Gamers on the Go with two of the developers from Ironhide Games, uh, the developers of Iron Marines. So potentially I'm a little biased here, uh, but I have always loved the Kingdom Rush games that they've made previously, the tower defense series. And uh, Iron Marines is not that. It's a. It's an RTS game, and it works really well on an iOS device. Uh, this was a game I played, uh, Matt, were you with me when I played it? It was, it was at a PAX East, uh, two, maybe three years ago.
2: I try and remember. I don't recall.
0: Okay. Um, I, I remember playing it at PAX East and, and it was a very small vertical slice of it. And I, I liked what I played. I liked the art a lot, but, uh, I thought that the controls were it just didn't feel right or it, it wasn't quite there. And now that it's come out uh, fully and they've, they've really had a chance to play test this and, and make sure that it all works. It, I think it controls really well. It controls way better than you'd expect uh, of an RTS game on, on an iOS device. And it works great on a phone. I've been playing it mostly on the iPad, but I've also played it on the phone and it, and it works totally fine there. Um, yeah, it's, it's a really great RTS game that uh, in the Ironhide fashion has maybe a few too many references to, uh, to movies and, and television and games that they've enjoyed over the years. Uh, some feel kind of blatant and n- not great. Uh, <laughs> I think the, the achievement system in this game is uh, specifically not great not in the mechanical way like mechanically it's fine it's it's do some different things in the levels to get uh currencies that you can use for for different parts of the game but in the uh just in the descriptions of them and in the pictures of them because there's like there's one that says like the force may the force be with you and it's totally just a person it's totally just obi-wan kenobi with a lightsaber uh, there's one that is absolutely just Deadpool as, uh, and these are just no. icons and so it's, it's
1: not even, <laughs> it, yeah, it's not even references. It's, even specific it's just to like sci-fi.
0: Right. Yeah. It, it kind of goes all over the, all over the place. Most of it is sci-fi, but it is all over the place. Okay. It's, I mean, it's no. a lot of Starcraft. It's a lot of aliens and it's a lot of star Wars. Um, like those are, okay. those are the three main things they're pulling from.
3: But, uh,
0: I, yeah, some of that, some of that stuff. Just like, eh, I don't know why this needed to be in here, but at the same time, it's it's a really well made game, and I think the the actual playing of it is super solid. And it's a game that does have some microtransactions in it. You can buy new heroes, you can buy um, these kind of consumable items that will make playing playing the game easier or playing the missions easier. But you absolutely don't have to use them. In fact, there are YouTube videos on Ironhide Games' uh, own YouTube channel that show you how to beat every stage on every difficulty, or at least on the hardest difficulty, with uh, with I think just the main hero. So there's totally a strategic oh, way. I respect that. Of yeah, yeah, absolutely. And not only is there a strategic way that's been built in, they they will show you how. Like you can literally go there yeah. and. This is them saying we don't need you to spend the money. Like there there are ways to do it, here you go. But also if you want to play your own way and have some fun and here's some ways of, of spending a little bit of money to, to make that work, uh, that works too. I, I that is a that is a monetization angle I can really get behind. Unlike something like Fire Emblem Heroes.
1: <laughs> I'm bummed about the references because this game looks like something that should be be able to stand on its own, like have confidence in them.
0: Yeah. It's, I kind of chalk it up to just the Ironhide house style at this point. Uh, It's something they've done for a while. I mean, kingdom rush is the different kingdom rush games have absolutely taken uh, references maybe a little too far. Uh, There's the, I know in the barracks when you're creating soldiers for the second game, you can make assassins or you can make Templars. And when the assassins kill somebody with a special move, they say Requiesca pace." And it's like, ah, oh, Jesus, man. Some yeah, somebody played Assassin's Creed, I guess. Um, and then the, the third game, Origins, is a lot of just straight up lifting from Lord of the Rings. But I but see. they but they play so well mechanically that it's it's hard to, to be too upset with them for that. Anyway, it's a it's a solid it's a it's the best RTS game you can play on, on mobile for sure. And uh, it's also just a really solid game. I, I enjoyed it a lot. Uh, my number seven is Steamworld Dig 2, uh, which came out at least portable wise it came out for a lot of things, but portable wise it came out for the Switch. And this is my lone Vita game that I can put on my list. Uh, this year. <laughs> hey. I didn't play it on Vita. <laughs> I played it on <laughs> Switch uh, because it's great on Switch. Man, it's so good on Switch.
2: <laughs> I'm, that is probably the first game I'm going to buy when I get a Switch. Uh, I, w- I really, really want to play it th- 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 this year, but I'm just like, just wait. Just wait until I get a Switch. Then I'll get all these awesome indie games and things that I want to play on one system instead of double-dipping Coding. So I could play it on the go as opposed to just at home.
0: Uh, absolutely. I mean, this was... Uh, when this game first came out, I had some real misgivings about it. Um, it was the last PAX East uh, that I played uh, this game and, and was talking to the developer. And
2: I, like, I do remember playing that with you this uh, time.
0: Yeah, and it, it felt a lot like a Metroidvania game. I think I even mentioned on our PAX East show that it's like, I don't uh-huh. know about this game because it felt way more Metroidvania than the original SteamWorld Dig. Like, we, we talked about this on that show. Of, of I like the original yeah. SteamWorld Dig because it is this very small, compact experience. It's something that I was able to beat in an afternoon, and I had a blast with it. But then I could put it down and be done and just feel this sense of accomplishment. It wasn't a very expensive game, and I could just blow through it and have a great time. And this game was not that. It's, it's much larger... You you can put a lot more time into it. And I was worried that the mechanic of of digging would not hold up for an extended amount of time. And I was also worried that the the world was going to be too big, that I was going to be – that I wasn't going to feel – I really liked – how the first game is centered around this single mine that you're going down. It just, yeah, it, it was kind of this singular vision that I could focus on and, and enjoyed. Uh, but now I'm going all over the place. I'm going to this temple. I'm going over here. I'm going over there. And I thought, Oh God, are there going to be multiple mines under multiple towns? And I, I don't, I don't know if I'm ready to sign up for, for this much, but it actually ends up being a good balance of both. There is one town with one main mine but then you go to these other smaller areas uh, to get new powers or to to find out bits of story. But it all brings you back to this one mine that you're you're continuing to go down. And once you get the ability, it lets you get down even further. And and it ends up working a lot. I, I think the story that they tell is is pretty solid. Um, I like a lot of the upgrade system. Uh, pieces that are in place here, uh, you get these upgrade cogs, and then you can go into the blacksmith and equip them. But you can also—they're they, kind of just slots, so you can take take them out again and slot those into another ability. If you if you end up deciding you want to respec your character in some way, and it's just a lot of smart design. Um, and there's a specific thing that you get in that game, uh, and it's it's kind of like a hook shot. Uh, once you get that i think it really just opens up mechanically on your movement options and the things that you're able to do and the way you're able to traverse the world and then even after you get the hook shot there's another mechanic that comes in later that lets you traverse the world even more freely and and really let you explore to your heart's content I, it's it's super solid uh, I, I can't I, wait I, to play it. Yeah, I ended up having a great time with it. So it's absolutely wonderful on Switch. Um, I'm I'm very pleased with how this game turned out. And now I need either Steamrolled Heist to be ported to the Switch, or I need a SteamWorld mm. Heist too.
3: <laughs>
2: I'm interested to see what they do next because maybe they'll do like keep in the same universe and setting, and maybe do something just completely different. Absolutely. Uh, Maybe they'll bring back that tower defense game that they brought out on DSi that is in the same world and Mm -hmm. uh, try that again. But who
0: knows? Yeah, this was their first uh, sequel to a SteamWorld game or to any of their games. And I I think they did a solid job with it. And I could totally see them either making a sequel of one of their other games, like we mentioned, or doing something totally new and unique in the SteamWorld universe. Uh, I, I think they're... Uh, one of the companies that got in on the Switch early and got rewarded handsomely for it because they made a really solid game, and the Switch the Switch has some really good games on it, but it didn't have a lot of games on it. So uh, this one took advantage of that and, and did mm-hmm. a great job.
2: Is there uh, more Steam Powered Giraffe in there?
0: Uh, there isn't. Not that I saw. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I... I mean, the music in this game is still good, but you don't actually see the band like you did in Heist. Mm. Um, I, I don't know if if uh, if the band actually worked on this game or not, but there is definitely music <laughs> that reminds me um, of that style. Mm. All right, moving on, number six, uh, and this is where Matt can jump in too. Uh, I have oh, the Legend only of number Z- six. It's only number six. Uh, Legend of Zelda: wow. Breath of the Wild. Um, it's number six for me because it's – like I just have uh, – I mean, I've, I've discussed it on this show. I've discussed it on other shows. I am not the biggest Zelda fan. I end up getting halfway through one of those games, and then something distracts me. I come back. I'm lost, and I don't want to do it anymore, and I just can't find – the ability to sustain through for Zelda games. It doesn't happen very often. Um, Link Between Worlds was one of the few Zelda games that I've beaten. And uh, and just the same thing ended up happening with Breath of the Wild, where I, I got through two of the four um, big beast boss boss character things in that game, mm-hmm. and I haven't gone back to finish the other two. I haven't defeated Danny. I haven't gotten hell i haven't gotten the master sword in this
3: game
2: i just got the master sword in this game uh and i'm almost done with it it yeah this is it if it was a portable game it'd be my number one game of the year it is my number one overall game of the year just because i pretty much exclusively played it the entire year whenever i had free time at home i was like time play zelda uh probably spent well over 100 hours uh in this world and there's there's just so much it's it's everything I wanted an overworld Zelda to be, in a modern uh, like using modern console hardware and everything. It's wow! It's it's so dense with just little secrets that are uh, just hidden throughout, and the details, the setting. It's uh, it's everything I wanted from a Zelda game for at least for an overworld. Like the dungeons leave a little more a bit more to be desired from like past games, but I still dug the the way they presented. These little mini shrines that have small puzzles. Some of them really being cool. Some of them very really easy. Some of them being what the hell am I, you know, <laughs> looking at? Uh, but yeah, I I just dug how they took such, like a concept of a uh, a open world game, and it's like, well, instead of like you not being able to traverse everything, you can traverse everything you want at the beginning. You just have to level up your stamina and you know by the time you completely leveled up you're just you're like hopping around everywhere sliding using your shield to slide down mountains just it it's really incredible how they did that i like i i want to play a game uh, that came out this year uh, horizon zero dawn but mm-hmm. i know when it when i finally get to that game it'll be like man i wish i could just climb up this mountain uh, <laughs> yeah instead of is. walking around it
0: as a person so, who recently came off of finishing horizon zero dawn um it's, I know those games came out around the same time and a lot of people compared them, but I played them at very different points of the year and I still compare them because they are very similar games. And it's it's easy to make that compare and contrast. And I, I think that there are, there are pros and cons of both games. Um, I think yeah. Horizon has uh, probably better combat. Uh, I, I really don't like the way weapons degrade in in Zelda. Um, I think the combat is maybe a little too simplistic. There's a lot of motion control stuff that gets added to that that I'm not a big fan of. Um, I
2: actually like that that little... I play it with the Wii U gamepad just so I can get that little extra finite uh, aiming. Yeah. Using the motion controls, I kind of actually dig that. Uh, the weapon degrading, I honestly, I had no problem with because there's so many weapons in the game. It's like, well, just keep using this one until, yep, throw that away, and oh, I'm just going to throw it at this uh, enemy and pick up his weapon. It just uh, felt like... At some point, it's just like just 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 go with it. And there's just so many like little mechanics in the game. Like, oh, I need to start a fire. Well, I have flint and I have a bundle of wood. If I put the two on the ground and strike the flint next to the wood, it's going to start a fire. Right. Uh, I mean, that's it's like just so many little things like that that just you can build upon in this game engine. I I honestly think that we're going to be looking back at this game 10 years from now, and it's either going to be one of those, oh, you know, it was hot then, but it did some interesting things, not really many people utilize, like the uh, Nemesis system in uh, Shadow Mordor, or or it's going to be like one that, man, I can't believe we had open world games where you couldn't travel anywhere at any time uh, over over any object.
3: Yeah,
0: I mean, one of the best things I can say about Breath of the Wild is that it feels natural. And it, it feels so effortless in the way that it's built, even though I know it was meticulously created. One of the things that is mentioned a lot are the sightlines of this game is that you are almost, almost wherever you are, you're able to see the castle, uh, the, the final castle in the very middle of the, of the world that is your ultimate goal. That's where Ganon is. That's where you, what you need to ultimately get to. But, you're you're it's always looming because you have those sight lines you're always you always know that it's there um but the way they've built their towers in this game is is better than what ubisoft does where it just kind of feels like they're peppered throughout uh, in different yeah, just go
2: to the top hit hit x or y or whatever triangle sync and then oh here's all the points of interest this is you look and you know thanks to using a Great idea for the color scheme of like having points of interest being like orange most of the time, like shrines and towers, right? Uh, like sticking out for that you look and actually like, oh, that looks interesting, or oh, that pool of water looks interesting, or like there's an island all the way over there. I should go check that out. It,
0: it helps you get yeah. a better sense of the world for sure yeah. than just kind of giving you all the waypoints. Um, it's it's a <laughs> it kind of feels like the way driving has become these days where. I, I have a GPS or I just tell Siri where I want to go and she gives me all the directions and, and that's fine. But I'm also not really learning the I'm not learning my city. I'm not exactly. learning how to get there. I'm always relying on her at this point to to give me directions. And Zelda's like, No, 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 we're gonna make you do the work. We want you to really feel like you're a part of this world in instead of just we're giving you this direct line, follow the line. And part of the, part of the reason that that's great is that as you're exploring, as you're trying to get to that place that you've decided you want to go to, you're probably going to find three or four other things on the way that might distract you and, and might just, you might decide you want to do this instead and you want to help this person or you might get, uh, like the way it has clues, it has clues like the original legend of Zelda does where you go in and somebody gives you this kind of vague, um, idea of either what to do or where to go, but doesn't give you the full picture. And it's something you have to remember, keep in your mind, or make a note of, or uh, or even forget, and then you get to an area and you go, oh, wait a minute, there's, I think somebody said something about this area, like, I'm supposed to do something here? Uh, I, I had one recently, I tried to go back in and play the game a little bit, uh, just to remember uh, more about it and i talked to a guy who was telling me about a fairy fountain that was only like you're able to easily find it if you go to this tower in the afternoon because the the shadow it uh, the sun will cast will lead you directly to it and yeah. i actually made a note for myself of okay come back to this tower when it's afternoon and find it and i did and it worked out really well and it just it was that sense of discovery not through my own discovery, well, and I mean not through uh, my own searching, but because I got just this tiny hint from somebody. I got a little push, and that helped me get through. And that game is filled with little moments like that. Um, but the problems that I ran into with that game, uh, the next, in fact, the next thing I did af- after I found that fairy fountain was that I went into one of the shrines, and it was one of the major challenge combat shrines and I used all of my good weapons against this this uh, big enemy, and they all broke. And I finally killed the enemy. That's great, but I had completely run out of arrows. I completely, or I had two weapons left, and both of them were doing very little damage. Uh, and I finished it, and yay, I got the same orb you get for finishing any other shrine. But now I was completely depleted of of any materials.
2: You also get, you might get like a piece of armor, though, that you were looking for. Like, I was happy when I finally got the full set of climbing gear. Right. Uh, which made traversing a lot more, you know, uh, like quicker and uh, you know, more engaging uh, as time went on. But I mean, like, you could, like, oh, there's so many weapons littered throughout the game. Like, if you're, like, looking around, it's like, oh, here's a fire sword that's in there. If you, you know, mark it, you can come back later and it'll still be there. Like, you know, always, there are times you can. Mark on your map where you want to find. Like, oh, there's a you know, if I need a sword, I can just mark here and I can pick this sword up later or this high you know shield later. Uh, so like, yeah, I, I get that. Yeah, it gets frustrating. You you have weapons you want to keep using, but then again, you can just go to back to the same enemy and like you know quickly kick their ass and grab the better weapon again.
0: Yeah, I, I think it was just the aspect yeah. of having Rances. Yeah, I get it. it's all my fault. I'm sure. Uh, <laughs> <laughs> But I think it was that aspect of having to start over. Uh, and it was something that I got. Uh, I mean, this is a totally separate kind of game, but uh, it's something I got in Dragon Quest Builders when I played it last year of, wow, I had a lot of fun. I built up a lot of things. I have all these materials. I feel like I've really progressed. And then in that game, it sends you to a new area and strips you of all the stuff you have and says, hey, start again. And I said, no. <laughs> and I just put that game down. Um And the same kind of thing happens in Zelda, where, okay, I've used all my weapons, I feel this really great sense of accomplishment, I I found all these things, and now I don't have them anymore. And now I have to do the slow trek of finding all that stuff again, if I want to, uh, to be back to the place that I was before. And, And that part felt tedious to me.
2: That you get to that place so quickly in the later end of the game, though it's like it, it's like nothing. Like you can leave those like challenges for later, and you can always just easily warp back to them as well. Too, it's like, yeah, I, I, I get that it can be frustrating. You lose all your items and weapons, but it's like, hmm, so what? In this kind of game,
0: yeah, I I I was not able. My brain was not able to say so what. <laughs> But I can, I can appreciate that that is, yeah. that is somebody else's ability. I, I mean, I, I like the game a lot. I, mechanically, I think it's, it's amazing. Yeah. I just didn't really enjoy the weapon degradation. And I think that really led to me stopping playing it when I don't think it needed to be a roadblock uh, mm. to my enjoyment of the game. Uh, anyway, fantastic game for sure. Yep. To- totally game great. of the decade. I, I could 100% see <laughs> okay. it,
2: I could see a game in that conversation Right now for me it's, game, it's my game of the decade like, it's like Past game of the decades for me Katamari Damacy uh, uh, What else uh, Metroid, Super Metroid You don't
0: have that many decades to work with Matt I know,
2: I know, I know but, hey, There's always one it's game three of the decades <laughs>
0: um, But yeah I, I agree with you that this will be a game That people will continue to talk about For years to come and I think your uh, your insight there that it's either going to be a game people mention as an outlier of, wow, this game did all these incredible things and nobody else has done anything like it, uh, is possible. To be
2: fair, it does draw from a lot of other games. Like the crafting is a little bit Minecraft inspired. The traversing totally. is definitely an open world game and so on and so forth. But yeah. Absolutely. Yeah, I-
0: yeah, absolutely. I mean, there's a lot of Skyrim in in Breath of the Wild, but I think... I think the way Nintendo has brought all these kinds of games together and all these mechanics together into something that is uniquely Zelda is, is really impressive. So I, I do think there is merit in saying that it, there's, it's either going to be a game that, that people look to and, and say, like, wow, nobody else did anything like that. Or this was the turning point and people made games specifically like this because Breath of the Wild inspired them to do so. Mm-hmm. Um, I could see either one of those scenarios happening.
2: And It'll be interesting to see what the next Zelda Zelda game is going to be. Like,
0: totally. I mean, I I, I hope it's a sequel to Link Between Worlds, or another game like a Link Between Worlds. So Nintendo shows that they can do more than just uh,
2: the big sweeping Zelda game. Chase, Chase, I want both. How about how about both. a remake of The Adventures of Link, Zelda Two? Yeah, you know what? That sounds like a very
0: Nintendo thing to do at this point. Why not? I, I would like to meet Error again. Like, that'd be cool. <laughs> All right, let's 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 move on. Let's keep this going. Uh, my number five game is is actually, it, it probably should be higher because uh, I really like this game a lot, um, but it's Golf Story for the Switch. Um, Golf Story is the sequel to Game Boy Color Mario Golf that we never got.
2: That's what I hear. I've heard. And I really want to play this game as well too.
0: Yeah. It's, it's really good. It's, uh, made by sidebar games is their very first game. And it's, it, it just shows a grasp of what makes that kind of game fun. That just really impressed me, especially as a first, uh, as a first try, uh, the so Mario Golf made by Camelot uh software company uh software planning whatever they're called um uh, they are the people who make Golden Sun so of course I'm a big fan of theirs but okay. I think they've I think they've gotten Mario Golf games and Mario Tennis games uh, they're kind of off track uh with those franchises in my opinion like maybe maybe it's the way the mainstream wants them to be but I really enjoyed the RPG mechanics of Mario Tennis and Mario Golf for the Game Boy Color. And, and I think they did a little bit more of that for the Game Boy Advance titles. But anything that's gone on home consoles or even the new 3DS games for, for Tennis and Golf, they I think they've really just gotten away from, from those systems-heavy ideas. And those are the things that I really like. Uh, and golf story brings all of those back in here you're you're gaining new clubs uh, by by going through different challenges I mean it feels like upgrading a weapon in an RPG of oh wow I found this new driver that can adds adds plus 10 yards but it also uh, makes the ball go uh, flatter like you, you don't hit it as high the loft is less um, or I found these new uh, I found these new irons that uh, will hit the ball a little more true, and it'll go straighter, and you'll have less of a penalty if you if you don't hit it straight on, or if you don't hit the the uh, slider straight on when you're golfing. Um, it's got that that three tap golf hit system uh, that that is popular among a lot of golf games, and I think it it just executes it really smartly and really well. Uh, the course designs I find to be Really good. I think some of the early course designs rely a little too much on gimmicks. Uh, there are different uh, hazard animal things. In the, in the first course, there are these moles that if you hit it in their kind of ring of influence, they will take the ball and put it into a bunker or put it into a hole or just put you into the rough. Uh, they're usually not very nice uh, with with the ball. I think there's a couple of them that will take it from take it further up the fairway, but those are few and far between. And um, so like some of those, some of those moles are just everywhere on that first course and they make what should be like a fun and easy course. That's more traditional uh, a lot harder because you have to deal with them as well. But I think the, the later courses specifically kind of lose most of the gimmicks and are just really fun, challenging golf courses to play on. And I, I, I uh, man uh, mechanically i think the game's great the writing is super good it's you can tell these people are australian just in the way that they uh, the the developers are australian just from the way a lot of people have these kind of quirks in their in their speech uh and and i think all of that just gets paid off in a really great way there's a lot of good fourth fourth wall breaking stuff um a lot of really nice references there's a like an NES style game you can find called GALF, uh, (laughs) G-A-L-F, that is just mechanically, it is a fucking crazy, um, it it doesn't give you any feedback at all on anything that you're doing. So it's this almost impossible to play game, but it also feels very reminiscent of NES golf or or very early golf games that uh, just... Just felt so obtuse in the way that they played, uh, and it's a really nice throwback to that. I, man, I really, really enjoyed my time with it, and uh, it's it's a fantastic Switch game, and it's only available on Switch right now, so that's that's the way to get it. So good, so
2: good. I wait to play system. that game when I get a Switch. Yeah.
1: Yeah. <laughs> yeah, like that. So, we'll talk about this after our list, but not having a Switch there are just. Like, I'm not even so much as looking forward to 2018. I'm looking forward to getting a Switch and playing 2017 games. Yeah. Or right. even, uh,
2: totally like, 2016, way. 2015 games. <laughs> yeah, exactly. <laughs> or even uh, 2011 games.
0: Yeah. In, in some instances, that's that's very true. Uh, all right, let's move on. I've only got a couple more here, and most of the ones I have left are ones that you guys have already talked about, so I can skip over mm-hmm. those pretty quickly. Uh, number four is Super Mario Odyssey, also for the Switch
2: can
0: wait to play that one too. <laughs> yep, that's yep. Right, right up there. I I like Mar- Mario is very similar to Zelda for me in that uh, I think they've done a lot of things that have they, they really have, Nintendo really understands why people like Mario games and what they've done well in the past and this one takes all of that knowledge and just puts it out in a way that is an absolute joy. It's it's so smartly designed. There's a lot of discovery in here in the same way that you'd get from any 3D Mario game but it's it's dense in a way that Breath of the Wild is where I'm just walking around and I find something that, oh wow, that's interesting. Let me go over there and see what that's about. And as you're going there you see another thing like, oh whoa, whoa, whoa what's that? I, I need to see that too. And it gives you that same sense. It's just on a different scale because it, Mario's obviously not this giant open world like, like Zelda is, but it's, it's that in microcosm of here's this little world that is so densely packed with things. And now we're going to take you to a new world that is also densely packed with things. And it just, it really works. Uh, mechanically movement wise, control wise. I think it's, it's fantastic. Uh, I don't like that they force you to do motion controls with for some of your hat moves, but those hat moves are totally um, optional and totally secondary to any of your goals. Like they can make some things easier, but I don't think you've ever have to use like the um, spinning attack with the hat or uh, throwing the hat upwards. You never have to do any of those things to to make it work, but they can, Help you assist you a little bit in in something if you if you aren't able to uh, execute perfectly mechanically. Uh, just it's so inventive. The stage design's inventive. The uh, the capture ability where you're able to throw your hat and take over an enemy is really well done. And I think it replaces the the suits and power ups of previous Mario games in a very smart way. It allows you to um, to force it forces Mario to use power-ups in very uh, specific ways. Whereas in previous Mario games, I think of something like Super Mario Bros. 3, where if I had the Fire Flower, then I'm Fire Mario until I lose it. So I can bring that from stage to stage, and now stages need to either be built around that or end up ignoring that completely, and it just kind of feels unnecessary. And in this game the stages are built for you to explore them and they're built in very unique ways that take advantage of the enemies that you can capture. The uh, the one that I, I think works really well as an example is, the, uh, is kind of the onion bulb creature in the forest kingdom where when you capture him, he can kind of go up on stilts of these vines and you've lost your ability to jump but now you can get up even higher, just from this extension, and you're able to flip from that onto higher surfaces. So you're, it's just a totally new way of playing a game, and it feels like something that another developer would have made an entire game around. It feels it that one reminded me specifically of Gone Home or of Grow Home, um, that, that small Ubisoft game that was all about climbing and, and it had a very specific mechanic that it used and it was a relatively short game because it just brought everything out of that mechanic it feels like Super Mario Odyssey takes that same idea and condenses it even further of we're going to make sure you have a mastery of this mechanic in a number of minutes rather than over the course of hours and it just oh it's, it's all just so smart and it just works really really well um, I, I will have no doubt that this and Zelda will compete for a lot of people's game of the year. I know there are, there are others out there who play, uh, Player Unknown's Battlegrounds and, and there are other games that I think are, yeah. are definitely worthy of the top spot, but I think these two games for a lot of people are going to be the, are going to be competing with each other for that top spot, uh, because they're both just super well-made and well-designed.
1: As great as um, Breath of the Wild seems and how much people like that game, I have no like fear of missing out of that game. I've never really gravitated toward the Legend of Zelda series, but Mario Odyssey is the game that I just like. I'm pained when I hear people talk about it because I haven't played it yet.
0: Yeah, that's fair. I I mean, I think they are both absolutely worthy of getting a Switch 4. Um, I mean, if, <laughs> if Nintendo hasn't... Uh, if, if Nintendo hasn't sold you on a Switch by, by now, I really don't see what else they can do. The only thing that I can think of that I'm disappointed by is the JRPG representation, and, and that's mainly because I just don't like Xenoblade. Uh,
2: it's coming. It's and it's coming,
0: and it's coming. We will get to that. Uh, all right, let's, let's continue moving on here. Number three was Fire Emblem Echo Shadows of Valentia. Don't need to talk about that because Matt and I yep. did a good job of that already. Uh, number two was Sonic Mania. Which Pierce and I did a good job of talking about already, uh, so I can skip right to my number one, which is a 3DS game called Monster Hunter Stories. Uh, oh, I so I, was, surprise! I <laughs> Pierce is less surprised <laughs> because I've been uh, telling him a lot about it over yeah. over these uh, weeks know, and months. Here. Um, this game was a complete surprise to me. It was uh, as Dragon Ball Fusions was last year. It's a game that kind of came out of nowhere. And I just had a complete blast playing it. Uh, I played the demo, and I really enjoyed the combat system in this. It, it feels more engaging than what Pokemon. I mean, this is this is basically a Pokemon game. Monster Hunter traditionally is this kind of action RPG. It feels kind of like Dark Souls in the way that uh, it has this animation priority that you're going through. Um, it's it's relatively difficult. It's a game that you need to play with friends to really get the most out of Uh, and i never had enough friends who played it so i and i also didn't enjoy the mechanics of it it's the same reason i don't enjoy dark souls because of a lot of that animation priority stuff um so right off the bat i was like ah monster hunter game on 3ds like nah i'm I'm good (laughs) Uh, but this is an rpg it's a jrpg not not that it's very it's absolutely turn-based and so I thought, all right, well, I'll see what the demo's all about. And when I got in there, it's really fun. There's kind of a rock-paper-scissors mechanic of speed attacks, power attacks, and technical attacks. And each one of those is good against one and bad against the other. And you choose your attack and because you're a, you're a rider. You're not really a monster hunter. You're a monster rider. You can commune with the monsters and befriend them. And you're able to bring a monster into battle with you. So now it's you and your monster uh, attacking together. So you pick your attack. Your monster has a mind of its own, so it picks its own attack. But you can also gain kinship with your monster. And when you gain kinship, you're able to spend that in battles on choosing attacks that you want them to do as well. Like Something like ordering them to do an attack, and they have enough faith in you that they are going to do that, despite what their own instincts are. And that's me building on their mechanics with my own head cannon, but uh, <laughs> it it works out really interestingly because when you do your attacks, the enemies are doing their attacks simultaneously. So I've chosen to do a technical attack, and the opponent has chosen to do a speed attack. Those aren't revealed until it's time to battle. And when you get in there, technical beats speed, so I get the advantage and I do more damage and I take less damage from the opponent. And, but it could just as easily be that they chose power attack and now I'm on the receiving end of more damage. Uh, there are also different skills that you can use that are kind of outside of the uh, of the tri- like more or less weapons triangle uh, in in the the combat, and they can do different things. They can attack multiple enemies at once. They can cause status effects. They can buff characters. Uh, it's it takes a lot of the the smart stuff from Monster Hunter and transfers it to how it would work into uh, an RPG format. Like there's still the idea of using paintballs. So in a, a paintball in a in a traditional Monster Hunter game, uh, you put the paintball on. On the target that you're going after and now you get to see where it goes around the map that's not really necessary in in this game you're not chasing monsters but when you find one and you defeat one as you're uh, as you're fighting it you can throw a paintball on it because when you defeat an enemy it can run away and if you have the paintball on it it will run away back to its den and then you can go through this little dungeon And when you get to the end, you find an egg of that specific monster. And then when you hatch that egg, it imprints on you. And now, now you've befriended that monster. So it's, it's, it's the way of collecting Pokemon, but you're not throwing Pokeballs at something, you're not having to damage something all the way down to a sliver of life and then, and then throw the ball at it. It feels, I don't know, it feels a little more natural, I I guess, in that way of you're, you're going and you're. Stealing an egg out of the nest, and then that's that's your monster, which is also shitty in its own way. Like I know Pokemon's like <laughs> capturing capturing animals and dog fighting, and that's also bad.
2: enslavement of the Pokemon. They should be free.
0: Yeah, I don't think I don't think stealing uh, a mother monster's eggs is really morally great either. But uh, <laughs> but mechanically, it works really well. Uh, monsters have different uh, different moves that they can use outside of battle as well. Kind of like HM's in Pokemon, where some of them can fly and you're able to soar over uh, parts of parts of stages. Some that can swim, some that uh, specifically can call out where uh, crafty materials are or where monster dens are. Um, some that can go through, like do a ground dive. Some that can walk on lava. There's it, it's they give you reasons to to bring a full team of monsters that can do different things. And really balance out your party, uh, but I I found it to be a really fun game. I think the story is not so great. Um, I think the amiibos they made for this game are amazing looking. They're Japan only, but you can import yep. them, and I did because they are oh, good. No. Um, they they're not they're actually somewhat useful amiibos as well. You can scan them onto your to your 3ds, and uh, and then you'll get. Uh, very specific monsters from them either either a monster that you can easily get but this is like a special version of it or a monster that you wouldn't be able to get until much later in the game um and you kind of get it for free ahead of time um so i think they're pretty good and i also it's a really small thing but being that this game is all about uh finding monsters and being able to uh since you're a rider you're able to ride on top of their backs to do special special attacks or Get around the world faster if you're in the overworld. Uh, so each uh, each amiibo has the monster, and then the rider, and the rider is detachable. So you can mix and match the riders onto the different uh, the, the different monsters. And that's such a weird, it's a nice little touch. good. Yeah, it's yeah. a weird good touch for what's basically just a little statue. Um, it, it makes them more toys than than statues in that way, but. I like this game a lot. I I have very little bad to say about it. Uh, I I continue to play it. One of the even though I am done with this game in almost every aspect, I continue to play it or continue to put time into it because uh, it kind of has this little free to play mechanic that I just can't get away from. It doesn't cost anything. There are no microtransactions uh, here, but. Uh, you're able to kind of do uh, the Assassin's Creed Brotherhood thing of I'm going to send this team out to go do a, a special ops mission kind of thing. Uh, so you can send a group of monsters, a group of five monsters on these missions, and they'll come back and they'll have gained experience and and brought in some items and, and things like that. Uh, but they're gone for you know two hours of game time. And the the time continues to tick down even when your 3ds is in sleep mode. So because I'm some time efficiency monster, I decide, okay well, even if I'm playing another game, when I stop playing that game, I need to turn monster hunter stories back on and send these guys out on a mission. So even while I'm not playing this 3ds, I know something's happening. And uh, <laughs> I've ended up uh, maxing maxing out a few monsters, stats, just because I've been uh, so craven about making sure I send them out for missions at every step. I'm taking my 3DS to work, not playing it at all, but every couple hours just opening it up and sending them on another mission, just so I can continue to get that sweet, sweet experience. It's it's maddening. I need to stop playing this game so I can play other things. But I just keep coming back to it and go, oh, well, well I, I should just send them out one more time. And then I can go, oh, there's there's 12 more minutes before this expedition gets back. And I, I really wanted to go to bed. But maybe I'll just stay up another 12 minutes so I can send them on another two-hour expedition and, and go to sleep then. And it, it's bad. I should stop. <laughs> like, I'm I'm not living my best life right now. <laughs> but uh, <laughs> but that, that's what's happening. Anyway, I – I've been having an absolute blast with this game. I think I'm going to continue playing it. I just got a couple of the ultra rare monsters that you find at the end. And I want to kind of level those guys up uh, to take on this very final challenge. Uh, I've seen credits, but this is kind of like a, uh, there's this last tower of 50 levels and you have to defeat the monster on every level. Um, And I've gotten to level 40 something, but I haven't gotten all the way there. But yeah. Who boy! Oh man, yeah.
2: When are we at now? Two hours.
0: Yes, we're about <laughs> we'll two hours. being a short podcast. <laughs> I didn't say it was going to be short. I said it was going to be efficient, and I we're, think...
2: we're shorter oh. and efficient than past years. How about that?
0: <laughs> very true. Very true. Uh, so to extend this just a little bit longer for people, uh, I would like to talk a little bit about what we're excited for in twenty eighteen. I know that both of you guys are potentially getting on the switch train so is there something that you see in 2018 from the switch i know you mentioned a lot of 2017 games or even older games that got ports to the switch that that got you excited but is there anything on the horizon that that is also kind of nipping at you as you're thinking about a switch purchase
2: Oh, Octopath Traveler, yes. uh, that that weird, weird uh, JRPG-like game that's coming out from what, Square Enix is doing that one.
0: Yeah, this is the team that made Bravely Default and Bravely Second. Uh, it's got an art style that is similar to that, but it's more pixel-based. Uh, I I played the demo of it and thought it was fun, maybe needed a little tweaks, a couple tweaks in, in the damage values. But other than that, uh, I think it's super cool, and that is the RPG that I've been waiting for, for the Switch. So, yes, I am all, right on board with that uh, with you.
2: Mm-hmm. And then, of course, whenever we get the Fire Emblem announcement, uh, Metroid Prime 4 mm-hmm. uh, is coming to the Switch, apparently. Uh, a new Pokemon game is going to be debuting on the Switch. Yeah, whether so, that comes yeah, out in 2018
0: lot. or 2019 is still kind of up in the air. I would, yeah, I kind of expect Pokemon to come in 2019, but, um, but yeah, like that's... There's a lot of really good RPGs coming out on the horizon for for Switch that that have me very excited. Pierce, what about you? What's what's got you excited?
1: Um, very little outside of Pokemon. I and I don't. That's not a knock against the future lineup. It's it's more that there's a lot out right now for the Switch that I really really want to play. Um, and then yeah, I just I I need a Pokemon on a console. That this is this is the something we've been waiting for for almost 20 years now and it seems like it's so close um, uh, one like last mention of the 3ds and I really don't think it's going to stick around um, very much longer but I think there's going to be value at least to me um, for the virtual console stuff mm-hmm. and it's it's gonna be interesting of what they bring over to the switch and if it's going to be everything like are we if we're going to reach a point where everything that you could play on the three DS is going to be available on the switch. Um, I think more likely is there's going to be a lot of these games that I missed from you know, decades ago that are still going to be available to play on the three. ds And I think that's still going to have me playing my three DS, uh, in the coming year, which I'm, I'm happy about It's a good little handheld system. I don't, um, I don't want it to fade away completely because I still enjoy playing it. I love. I like keeping it in my pocket. Um, so hopefully hopefully there are still things that, for whatever reason, if we want to do a podcast or if I'm reading one of those Boss Fight books and I need to play a game and that's the most convenient way to play it, I will still use it. Um, Absolutely. Because I think that 3DS system, has given us a lot. I
0: think that system has will continue to have value even past, uh, even while the Switch is out, even after it kind of fades away those games i don't think are easily transferable to switch and it's a lot because of the dual screen format uh, it's the same reason i think a lot of Wii U games are not coming to switch as ports there have been some but not not a ton and i don't think i don't think you're going to get a mass port of all these great games because the way these dual screen games work um, I, I don't think monster hunter stories is going to show up on the switch i could see a sequel working for the switch but um, I, I don't think that time's going to be put in to make that into a Switch game. Uh, now, as far as virtual consoles concerned, like on the 3DS and like a lot of a lot of those games, I would love to see Game uh-huh. Boy games, SNES games, NES game stuff. I, I'd love to see those come over to Switch, and I, I know we've talked about that before.
2: Uh, I do want to know, Chase, uh, what games uh, that you wanted to come out for the Vita, because we know there's been a lot that were. Announced and then canceled because you know, either hardware constraints or just wasn't viable. Would you like to see come out for the switch?
0: Hmm, interesting, that's a good question. Um, I mean, the first one that jumps into my head is Galaxy,
2: yes, that, that also jumped into my head.
0: Um, and then the second one that jumps into my head is Hyperlight Drifter. Hmm, like both of those games, I think, would make pretty solid Switch games. Um, but I mean, also. I just kind of think everything would work really well on the Switch at this point. Yeah. Um, like playing. I know
2: uh, Rain World would have came out for the Vita, but it's not, and I think that'd be a really good Switch game.
0: Don't mm-hmm. I? can totally see that. Um, I like games that have come to the, the games that have been ported to Switch already. I think have have really shown the competency of that system. Like I think of Binding of Isaac, uh, Afterbirth Plus. Uh-huh. which I played Bind of Isaac Rebirth on on Vita. Love it there. I know a lot of people like it on PC, but I thought it was great as Vita. And I think the Switch version is really, really solid. Um, I, I don't necessarily like that they went back to pixel art stuff. Um, I liked kind of the smoothness of the the Flash-looking animation. But <sighs> mechanically, like that game's incredible um if, if this was the first year that it came out or at least first year that it came out on handhelds um it would definitely be in my top 10 list if not number one uh but i like that game <laughs> that game's come out before i'd feel bad putting mm-hmm. it on this list but that game totally is a great <laughs> switch game um cave story how about
2: hmm? bioshock infinite <laughs>
0: I I don't know if I want to play Bioshock Infinite again in general. So, <laughs> but it could totally happen this time. I I bet it would be fine on a Switch. I would I guess I would have no
2: problem with it.
0: Um, but yeah, I it's a lot of these smaller games. Like I'm like you said, I'm my number one 2018 game right now is Fire Emblem. I'm I want to see what they do with that on Switch. Mm-hmm. I want to see a whole new story. Uh, I I just I. I think that'll be the thing I put a ton of time into. Um, And yeah, that's the big thing. Octopath Traveler's up there as well, but it's all, it's all Fire Emblem for this guy. Um, And also something that happens relatively soon, I will be able to dust off the Vita at least once in 2018 uh, and that's in January because we're getting Digimon Story Cyber Sleuth 2 Hacker's Memory. Oh, no. Uh, yeah, I, I put wait. a lot of time into that first. Can't
2: wait for you to play that one, Chase. All you.
0: Yeah. yeah. I mean, that, mm, that, you game have fun, is, Chase. that game is a pretty good combination of Persona and Pokemon in one thing. And I like that first game a lot. Uh, it's also coming to PS4. I'm I'm actually considering playing the PS4 version over the Vita version. Mm. It's just sad, <laughs> but uh, but yeah, Vita will get at least one title that I will be excited about in 2018. So that's something. Um, oh, uh, and Valkyria Chronicles, we're getting Valkyria Chronicles Four for the Switch mm, yeah. uh, this year or this upcoming year, and that's very exciting because I, I think that series has a lot of merit to it and uh, is something that I've I haven't put nearly as much time into as I want as I wanted to. Uh, so I think that the Switch will be a good place to to uh, really jump in on that series and and see what it's all about. Um, Anyway, I think that pretty much covers uh, our thoughts on the game of the year for 2017. I want to thank both of you gentlemen for coming on. Uh, I know you guys didn't have um, the breadth of of games to talk about, but I think the the (laughs) games that you brought to the table here to discuss uh, were very solid nonetheless. Uh, do you guys, if if I were a random person on the internet and I wanted to find out more about Matt Jaguar, how would I do such a thing?
2: You should stay away, but if you really, really <laughs> want to know, uh, Jiggy-san on Twitter, G-I-G-G-Y-S-A-N. And uh, sometimes I guest on my friend's podcast, Abstract Japan, which is a lot about noise music and random music from Japan that's uh, more of the abstract level, but also some uh, we play just about everything if it's from Japan. Uh, so check that out uh, if you like music and like different kind of music. And uh, upcoming, another end-of-the-year thing, I'll be giving my pick for favorite album of the year on King Baby Duck's uh, No Borders, No Race podcast. It used to be the Boston Master Brigade, and he will have his like top 20 uh, with special guests as well. And uh, check that out.
0: Sounds great. Pierce, how about you? How would how would some person, some intrepid listener, find out what's going on with Pierce Courchene?
1: You can find me on Twitter at PJ Courchene. That's PJ, and then C O U R C H A I N E. And then also come to PAX. Come to all PAXs, specifically <laughs> PAX South, January 10th through the 12th. <laughs> Look at that plug.
0: Yeah, not bad. Like it, uh, in San Antonio. Yeah, and you just recently came from PAX Unplugged, right?
1: I did, yeah. We had a great time in Philly um, a couple weekends ago. If you're into board games, uh, definitely check it out next year. Um, it was a lot of fun. And no, it's I'd really chill. Board games. In fact, yeah, it was. Um, it'll probably get bigger next year, which is probably. good for us and good for everyone. But, um, yeah, we had a good time. And I, like. it was nice having Thanksgiving break right after that because then I could introduce my family to a bunch of cool board games I found. Um so, at the show. Pierce, so, definitely I've, I've, come to PAX Unplugged next year. I
0: think I've got this great idea that you need to take to your bosses at Pax. Uh, take it right to Mike and Jerry if you okay. need to. Um, I know <laughs> okay. you, I know they're just Doing like a, a knock away on a door. You work right next to Straight you. to the top. Yeah. Um, yep. let me just float this idea by you. Pax Midwest. Huh? Okay. Huh? It would take place yeah. in St. Louis, like a nice central city that everyone yep. could get to. No problems at all. Definitely mm. not Chicago. Fuck mm. Chicago. Um, I, I think there's some merit there. I think that would be great.
1: Chase, I think you're on something.
0: <laughs> uh, well, hey, hey, bring it up to the boys and let me know. Like I can I can help coordinate it if you need it. Um, okay. we we have a football stadium that nobody is using right now. So uh we've got the room. Oh, very uh, sad, yeah. <laughs> All right, guys, thank you very much for coming on. Uh, I look forward to talking to you both in 2018. I'm sure what, what I always like about these Game of the Year shows is that I am able to, if I, if it's either learn about a new game or learn something new about a game that I know very little of. And hearing you both talk on this episode has, uh, you guys have brought up games that I want to play or try or just hear more about So I would not be surprised If some of these games might show up As future Gamers on the Go episodes In the relatively near future um, And nice. Uh, specifically I kind of want to try that Blowout Blast Now that Chris now that yeah. has been talking about it so, It's going to uh, be a
1: short episode though <laughs> I,
0: I, I, You know what that will even out this episode <laughs> So that should be just fine. <laughs> All right. Well, thank you both for coming on. Thank you all for listening. Uh, We will be back in 2018 to talk more about handheld games. And especially because the Switch is out here, uh, they will not be going away anytime soon. So it is good news on that front. Thank you and have a great holiday.